people of Earth, if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Listen up, fanboys, it's the Fanboy Planet Podcast, and here's your host, Derek McCall. Thank you, this is Derek McCall, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting on Thursday, January 29th, 2015. I like Thursday. Uh, Thursday's nice because we've had a chance to read some comics. At any rate, uh, with me, of course, my fabulous announcer, who's actually not physically with me, for he is our man in Los Angeles. I'm Nate Costa. And across and hosting us at the lovely Brett Cave, our moral compass and podcast producer. I am Rick Brett Snyder. There we go. Uh, we want to say up top, of course, that you can find us on iTunes. Please rate us, review us, tell your friends. You can find us on the Stitcher app, and you can find us at www.fanboyplanet.com. And if you found us some other way, please write in and let us know. And anything you want to <laughs> let us know, cr- comments, criticisms, uh, suggestions for what we should be doing, write in at editor at fanboyplanet.com. An angel of the Lord appeared before me and said, <laughs> lo. And said, lo, uh, here's an Amazon link in which you can also uh, purchase some of the things we talk about tonight. If you can't find them at your local shop, and if you'd like to donate on PayPal, I'm putting this up top because I think people, you know, I want yeah. to make sure. Yeah. We've got some comics. This is a busy week. This is, I, well, like any week's not a geek week for us right now. You know, the things just happen. It just keeps they getting cluster. better. They cluster. They cluster, though, is what I think. It's like you'll have a couple of weeks of mm, not much is happening, and then suddenly... I don't... Ha- I can't every remember a week where it has been nothing every much studio is happening. Ten- well, this week feels like like the studios were going, oh, yeah? Well, then we're talking about this. Yeah. And we're thinking, oh, yeah? Well, you know, and then, and then some of it is like, oh, yeah? You talked about that a year ago, but we're going to pretend that it's still happening and real, you know? Uh, so we'll see. Um, anyway, we've got comics news. We've got movie news. We've got TV news. We've got some toy news. We've got some clothing news, of all things. That's what I want to talk mm. about extra. Um, but let us begin with comics, because, of course, the big story last week was that Marvel was going to reboot everything. Panic, 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 CNN headline. Uh, I think it actually was a CNN headline. The Marvel Universe <laughs> coming to an end. Um and meanwhile, and in very small letters, and two hostages taken exactly. by ISIS. You know, and, and and then is ISIS the same woman that was on Saturday mornings? You know, yes. I, <laughs> it's like uh, wasn't ISIS the name of Archer's organization? Yes, but they're not. But, and now they're not saying it they, anymore. Well, they they made that official announcement that they were that the producers had to say they will no longer be ISIS. Yeah, and the, and the funny thing is, um, we're not allowed. We're really not supposed to say ISIS. It's ISIL. Because uh, there is an ISIS corporation in the in, in the United States that actually um, called up the uh, the White House and said we would like to not be associated with this terrorist organization. So we'd appreciate it if uh, in this capitalist society you would yeah, not exactly. refer to terrorists as ISIS. Uh, they, Can they, you call them? Although ISIL. I think really when you translate it, what they call themselves, it ISIL does make more sense. Uh-huh. But ISIS was more malefluent. 
Yes. You know, so it's easier uh, for Fox reporters to say it. Exactly. Not just Fox, please. I'm I, I'm not going to rip on them any more than CNN or MSNBC or Yahoo, you know, or or um, the Nerdist. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Are they going to change the name of Black Adam's ISIS to something else? I don't think she took hold as a character. The, the difference there is if you call Black Adam's uh, wife ISIS... I mean, she is literally named after an Egyptian goddess, and exactly. it makes sense. It, no, that one's going to stay, and I don't think there's a trademark associated. Um, no. You know, um, so <laughs> let's not get into this weird geopolitical. <laughs> let's instead. Well, was that supposed to be the same ISIS that was on the Saturday morning live show? I think it was a nod. Okay. I think it was a nod. Well, uh, I mean, obviously the Egyptian goddess tie was there. Yeah. Although, see, I don't think DC technically actually owned. The TV it had anything to do with the TV show. I don't think show. so either. I think because it was a filmation I, I Because I have the DVDs. Yeah, I have them. And I held on to them. Uh, and uh, and it's called The Secrets of Isis, which I didn't even remember that, that had a different yeah. title. And it's not, um, yeah, it's not from a Warner company at all. It was like a, like a Shout Factory production. So, yeah, it's interesting. But let's talk about the geopolitics of the Marvel Universe, which exactly. is the, the three phases of Battle World. How you know, how you can know where you are in the Battle World saga in the next few months, starting with last week's issue of Fantastic Four. You were, I yeah. believe, you you highlighted that. I read it, yep. uh, even though I had not quite caught up. I just said, "Screw it, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this." Is it? I think everything's starting here. Uh, one, I want to say last week, I had that experiment of reading issues on books that I had fallen behind on to, mm-hmm. to, to see. And I thought both sides, we talked about Batman and Robin number 38 being like, that was a perfect jumping on point. Yep. That was everything a comic book in the modern, modern day, a superhero comic book that's in the middle of a series should do for a new reader. Captain Marvel Shazam did cross into ISIS the TV show. Yes. And it's on the, di- it is on the DVD. But, but it had nothing to do with DC? Nope. Nope. Weird. Totally fil- filmation. So uh, anyway, uh, and then I read this Fantastic Four, and I went, oh, okay, there, that, that was also, I caught up, I understood exactly what the situation is, and what's going to lead towards Battle World. Yeah. Uh, so they announced last week, they had three banners. So you're going you're gonna to be looking for three different banners to decide what stories choose you your want own to adventure make. Well, comics. choose what interests you the most. So there will be Last Days which is uh, books that are dealing with what happens on the old Marvel Earth when they feel like everything is coming to an end and they're aware of what are you going to do in, in your last days of existence. They have that sense of doom, which is just odd, so, right? So feel-good stories. Yes, absolutely. Battle World, what we're really all buying comics for to resemble, um, you know, like Mortal Kombat, <laughs> Aunt May going. I really thought I was going to go before the end of the world. Or what do they call? What do they call her in Spider Verse? The super powered one was Spider Ma'am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, Spider Ma'am will be fighting uh, to save in Battle World, and then if you want to explore uh, storylines, which writers are, and artists are turned loose on retelling those stories, those will be called War Zones. So you can have like a book that takes place specifically in we- Weird World. One that's going to take specific take place specifically in Age of Apocalypse. I have a feeling that'd be the New Quack City. New Quack City. I, you know, I don't know what Howard's going to do because so they're doing evolution covers for that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, there'll be three major banners there, and then um, it was noted last week and uh, before that Fantastic Four issue came out, and but Bleeding Cool noticed because they track these things. 
What books suddenly shoot up in value on eBay? And Sleepwalker, number one, became very crucial. And lo and behold, at the end of Fantastic Four, spoilers, my son reads it, turns to me and says, who's Sleepwalker? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I always thought it was a cool character, but... It really it's the, kind of a weird. The book sort of fell apart fast in yeah. the '90s, like a lot of books did. Um, so, uh, but apparently that's really shut up. And I think that uh, I don't know how yet, but that it's interdimensional that dream cop sleepwalker will be crucial to what happens in Battle World. So I'm not saying it to oh put your investment in because no, once it all happens, it's all going to fall back down again. But Battle world, but uh, Sleepwalker is an interesting concept, and I think he's going to be a character who's going to suddenly become very popular. Um, in addition, Marvel, of course, announced their free comic book day plans, which I thought, you know, oh, good. Ba uh, Battle World Secret Wars is actually going to start with a zero issue on May 1st for free. Yeah. The first one's always free. I want to make sure you can hear my vein getting up there. And, uh, and then they're also releasing a preview issue of. Uh, the all-new, all-different Avengers, which will be a super team, which is Follows. what happens afterwards. Yeah. What's the new continuity moving forward? And, of course, we get sent a cover that says, not final cover, because it's all black, because they can't show us anything. <laughs> uh, so, Wouldn't well, it be great if it actually came out with an all-black cover? It's just like that that, <laughs> that uh, John Byrne Alpha Flight issue that was taking place in a snowstorm. Yeah, all and it's white. all just white with word balloons. Uh, so... Anyway, we don't know who the all-new, all-different Avengers will be yet. I mean, we I'm, take I'm betting guesses. one thing. They won't all be new. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm imagining... I bet they all won't be different either. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You know. Look to, I, I, here's my prediction, and I'm going to come back to it a little later. Look to Age of Ultron, the movie. Yeah. And see what interesting little different things have happened there. And look at phase three, because despite uh, Dan Buckley last week in an interview saying, oh, no, we're not making the movie, the, the comics look like the movies. It's like uh, you always have. And it's not just you. Everybody always has. Yeah. Because when we people forget this. We'll go back way back when reach back and say, look, Jimmy Olsen was created for the radio show. Kryptonite was created for the, for the radio, radio show for Superman. Yeah, uh, you know, bat, bat, but, but, a lot of Batman and Robin was created actually for the Superman radio show, and so it, it's um, when they do the Infinity Gauntlet story. Do you really want that with a bunch of people that you've never seen before who have never been Avengers, or do you want that with Thor and Captain America? And, I want it with Thor and Captain America and Spider Man. Well, I want Spider Man well, in there you, too. You look, but I think yeah. you're going to get Miles Morales. I still say that it's that would be you, fine. But if you read that Latino review. Um, thing uh, that that what that uh, that blogger believed his spoilers were that part one will be with the unfamiliar hmm. and part two will be bringing back the big guns interesting although that really undercuts the the value of the no not if they play ones. it right well no not if they maybe. play it right it depends on what happens in civil war yeah but we'll but we'll talk about that later if you want like. we have more information mm -hmm. Yeah, we might talk about it a little because why have we ever waited for facts again? Um, <laughs> there was, what was that? That was Nate. That was an alarm I have set. He had more fairy dust to sprinkle on oh, the buckets. Turn it our way, you mighty winged warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I don't know. It was fairy dust that suddenly happened. Um, Sorry, I'll go back. Uh, Mango Lemonero will come in yeah. and uh, really testosterone up the place. <laughs> What's happening at Boom? 
What's happening at Boomheads is no, it's happening everywhere. It's actually happened in Diamond previews this week. There was a an image that came out uh, from Diamond that said push comics forward in 2015, and it was like who's doing it? And it was actually an editorial by Ross Ritchie, which we have run in its entirety because it was sent to all the sites uh, on Fanboy Planet. You can read about, I think. Uh, the idea of push, by the way, hashtag comics forward, uh, is the idea that comics don't have to just be superheroes. I get that. Absolutely. Um, I think really it's not so much push comics forward as push comics into the way the rest of the world treats them. Right. You know, because when you look at what manga does and you look at what French graphic albums do and you look at what the, like the top sellers in France are, Walking Dead's in there. There are a couple of superhero things in there, but there's also, I mean... It's hysterics. It's uh, yeah, it, I don't know. You know, it, it, it's Lieutenant Blueberry. It, well, I mean, that's an old one, but I mean, but it covers so many different yeah. genres, and, and that's Ross's point. And I, I totally agree with when I look at what I have on, uh, you know, in, in my stack, and and um, just it's not a preview of what's in the bag. It's to say, like, I'll say one is that I had special ordered last week. March book one from top shelf, uh, you know, uh, this history of the civil rights movement. Right. And it came in this week. So that was in my bag. I took it out. Uh, didn't bring it here. But but to say, you know, I have these two volumes of a graphic novel trilogy that is is retelling the history of the of Martin Luther King's civil rights movement. I mean, it, it goes to prove and that and that if you know, there's like the cart Larry Gonics, uh cartoon history of the universe, cartoon oh, yeah. history of you know, that comics can handle oh. anything. You got asterisk teaching uh European history. Well, you, right, sort of. Uh, well. <laughs> you know just just like Superman's teaching kinesiology. Maybe a little better than <laughs> Donald Duck did. Um Shut up, man. Yeah. Uh he taught math magic. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and, that, and, and that, that's you know, an issue. Matisse. Yeah, and, and, he, and, and so, of course, you know, Ross reasonably used that to talk about uh, some of the great books Boom's doing. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, they're adapting Munchkin, which is already drawn by a guy who is does have a fantastic webcomic. So, you know, it, it's like, okay, that one wasn't stretching as much. But when I think last year how they released Hacktivist and they bought Archaea and you read some of the stuff on the Archaea, or what's the oh, yeah. mouse guard? Um, yeah. You know, there all there is so much material out there that's already pushing comics forward in the way that that Ross says. I think the more important thing is you give it a hashtag, a trending name. Uh, maybe people that aren't into comics uh, realize that. Yeah. And that's uh, you know before the podcast, I was just to follow up on something that Nate and I we had talked about last week after Milestone was being revived. We talked about getting um, Michael Davis on. Uh, I, so I did reach out and, and, and this will tie back to this push comics forward. I promise I did reach out. I, I said, you may not be able to talk about it, but you know, if you could, um, we'd love to be able to talk to you on the podcast. And, uh, I got first the, uh, the sticker, Facebook sticker of an angry Turkey from Freebird. <laughs> so I woke up as like six of my alarm went off and I kind of rolled over and I looked and I went, Oh, I've got a message on Facebook. Boom. And I'm faced with the the turkey going, Rrr. and then he says, uh, "I tell you, but I have to kill you." And but then he actually said he, he loves Fanboy Planet, so uh, that was very that was very nice. It was it was, it was very playful, but I, which I thought, well, I thought that was funny. That's how he responded, and I get it. You know, it, it, he's just not ready to talk. But he did write an article today uh, about kind of this idea of uh, he's following on the push comics forward. I don't think he actually used the hashtag, but uh, he it's on Bleeding Cool 
where he's talking about how, again, comics have kind of fallen behind what the rest of the world is doing. So he, he U.S. Uh, comics have fallen behind U.S. Comics. in their content, and and I shouldn't say yeah, I, and I don't think it's that is that they've fallen behind because, like I said, I think Image, I think Boom, uh-huh. I think IDW, and uh, and Top Shelf certainly, uh, and and today you know this month is the tenth anniversary of Graphics from Scholastic, where they've yeah. been doing the gra- the graphic novels for kids. Um, you know, and did I mention Oni, you know, Dark Horse people, there have been publishers pushing and occasionally Marvel and DC have tried as well. Yeah. Um, but, but the public perception, but the is public not perception there. is not there. And one of the things that Michael Davis pointed out in his article was how many times do you have a conversation with somebody who says, you know, who sniffs at comics and, but loves movies. And you talk about the road to perdition. Mm hmm. And say, um, you know, that was a graphic novel, and right. I've actually I had that conversation that that conversation with one of my former employers, who didn't believe that comics had a place, or or she didn't feel that it was it was good supplemental, but it had no place as literature in the English classes, and I and I brought up Road to Perdition, and she said, oh, I love that movie, but I said that was a graphic novel, and she's like, ah, you know, and we reached a point of paces. She was someone who had not grown up reading comics. Yeah. But in the 60s, what you know, 60s and 70s, there wasn't this stuff. We have moved forward. But if you read um, The Tencent Plague, really good book about the history of the right. of the seduction of the innocent, talk about there were a couple of publishers back in the 40s that tried to really move forward what comics could do and long before Will Eisner was doing it. And unfortunately, the comics code that censorship destroyed, you know, it, it hobbled us in the United States and the rest of the world didn't have it. It's kind of ironic because in the U.S., probably the best known comics that are not hero comics are the daily comics and especially the ones that are soap opera like Rex Morgan and stuff. But if you go slightly more into right, the fantasy, you, you know, Hal Foster's Prince Valiant and... um uh, I just had another one on, on the tip of my tongue. But the idea that these have been around for a while, but we, people just don't think about them as as long-term stories. As you know, It's like, oh, I read that every Sunday. Or I, you know, I pick well, that up the- you know, those, seri- uh, those serials do not do as well for the syndicates. Modesty Blaze anymore. In, the, in, in, yeah, but in sh- the UK. In the UK. But, right. not, but it, it, that it's just what we talked about um, when Abigail and the Snowman came out from Boom mm-hmm. last month. And I said, Roger Langridge, if he was a comic strip artist in the Golden Age, he, the, whole, the whole country would know him. And mm-hmm. I he's actually from the UK. So, uh, you know, the whole world would know him in the way that people used to know who Al Cap was. And right. they all know who Charles Schultz is. But he, there, are still, Kenny, there Kenny. are still people that don't know who Jack Kirby was. Yeah. And they don't know who Steve Ditko is. And so it is kind of, but again, if you go worldwide, you know, if you're a manga artist in Japan, and I've heard from Michal, like when they have comics conventions in Japan, it's not like Comic-Con. It really is fans gathering just to just to gather to say we love comics yeah and, and twice as many people show up there than show up in san diego but we don't report about on it because yeah. you know that's not the american way comic con is the important tunnel but angeline is starting this month a- in france and that's oh, wow. and that's like two hundred thousand people and it's bigger and the big the big american companies they're a they're a drop in the bucket yeah i mean you look at the japanese the japanese markets for example mm-hmm. i mean we look at the manga stuff and there's a lot of we get the manga the shonen jump stuff over here and there's a lot of like Yu Gi Oh and this uh, uh yeah the 
anyway, One but Piece, Naruto, One Piece, and Naruto, yeah, One yeah. Piece was exactly what I was thinking of. Um, but you, I can read your mind. When, you can't read mine. when you actually get over there, there's a lot of stuff that's like sports comics, and there's a lot more. There's historical fiction stuff, and because again, they're not collectible. Yeah, they're just they stories. just want to enjoy to be the stories. They're phone books, you know, and the uh, yeah. So the other thing point that gets made is you know we need to push for comics forward because Michael Davis pointed out what I have argued to some people before. We're called it's called the ninth art. Here's how important comics are. It is uh, to to American history. It is one of our native art forms. Mm-hmm. We created it. Basically, we like I had anything to do with it. But uh, uh, but <laughs> the U.S. You're American. Kid? You did have everything to do. The with The Yellow it. Kid was U.S. Okay. Uh, for call uh, out cult uh, for. Um, Hearst. Hearst. Uh, uh, you know, yellow uh, journalism comes from the yellow kid. I thought so, yeah. And so comic strips, you know, there were people experimenting with the form, but really comic strips and then comic books were, were this. And it was actually Crazy Cat that was the first time, and that's a comic strip, but still, uh, George Harriman, I believe. Um, excuse me, my Coke Zero just came back up on me. Sponsoring <laughs> our podcast tonight, Coke Zero. Mm. When you burp, people Wouldn't know it. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But You'd have I a burp no calorie. Uh, anyway... Uh, but uh, George Harriman's Crazy Cat, was, French critics, that's where they came up with the ninth art. That was the first time that American literature actually became uh, recognized on the world stage. Hmm. Even Mark Twain, in mo- through until the very tail end of his life, they were not, American literature was sort of like, oh, that young upstart country, it's nothing compared to our right. Shakespeare. But the French canonized Crazy Cat over... And said, and then, and then suddenly, European critics started looking at, well, maybe those Americans aren't as primitive as we thought, hmm. and so it was actually a comic strip that gave us legitimacy with literature in, in the world stage, and so you know, and so he, I think Michael's right is that when you say, you know, we've fallen behind what the rest of the world is doing, and, but the work is there; it's just we're not embracing it as a culture. And I'm with Ross, and I, you know, like I wish, uh, you know, I'm with Ross Ritchie, I'm with Michael Davis, and with this is that I is that I don't read as as eclectically as I think I would like to, um, but but there's so much out there, and it should be popular, and people could be reading all of it. So the hashtag is used to show your appreciation to for trend it. So what you do is you say, just finished blanket, what a great story, push comics forward, push. Hashtag comics forward. It's push. hashtag comics forward. Ah, okay. So you, you so you might and don't say push. Just say I think hashtag. that's it's actually the, the it's actually the request. Push. He wants you to push. Hashtag, hashtag comics forward. forward. I got it. Okay. Okay. So yes, indeed. If you were to read blanket, which blankets, which actually I didn't really like that much, but I appreciate I that it. it was done. Okay. Comics forward. Yes. If I, Is I blanket just, about Michael Jackson's kid blanket. No. no. Oh. Blankets is about uh, it's, it's about a, it's kind of a coming. It's of a age growing story. up story, two brothers and a girl, and you know as they get older, a pizza place. Michael uh, Jackson's kids. No, no. Oh God. Uh, anyway, uh, Craig Thompson though, uh, what was that? Well, the one he did with the frog. Um, Goodbye, chunky rice. Mm. I loved that. Okay, and I think maybe it's because it was put into a into a funny animal, but it's nothing funny about it. It's not at all. It's a very poignant story um you know so he's a guy i like i just didn't like blankets all that much you know and, I, and i'm totally in the minority I'm trying to what's the one um is it a warren is uh, the the three dogs 
um, the ones that escape from the uh, We Three, We Three, from Vertigo, which yeah. I think is I think that's oh that's, that's a brilliant a, story. underappreciated uh, entry drug for for graphic storytelling. Be- you know, because I have the deluxe edition that uh, DC put out or Vertigo put out a few years ago. Because I, I think that you're right. That, that's great. That's uh, Grant Morrison. For those who don't know the story, Morrison. That's Grant, right. It's, it's, how can you not know it's Grant Morrison? I just forgot for a minute. My part of my holy trinity. Uh, you know, Grant Morrison with Frank Quitely art, and it's about dogs, uh, about animals, not dogs. It's uh, it's a rabbit, a that's dog, right. and a cat. And a cat. And they yeah. have been they have been used in experimentation by the army to be weapons. Like they figure the cat will crawl under a tank and have explosives and blow up, right? You know, and so the, they're, they're all used, cyber. So they've all been cybernetically enhanced, and they escape into the woods. And so they've got a team after them, and then they've got the scientist that was working with them, the pet behavioralist, who actually, you know, wants them to remain liberated. And and then it's through they 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 have rudimentary language, and the the language is wonderful. I mean, it's 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 believable that this would be. It's well, not that's like a, that's what I was about to say. Oh, that's sorry. what I, I, I'm sorry. Rudimentary I, language. I, well, you know, because I didn't use rudimentary language to explain it to you. Right. Uh, so that yeah, they they are speaking monosyllabic. They're they're definitely got the personalities you ascribe to an animal, and it's a it's a great. But it has not been pushed. And maybe it didn't sell that well. I yeah. don't know. And I know that they've tried to adapt it into film a few times. Grant Morrison gets asked about it in interviews every couple of years. And, you know, it, if you were a fan of the novel Watership Down or uh, Shardick, yeah. you know, that, that, that that's it's like Richard Adams' work. And, you know, so it, that that's a perfect example. A lot of stuff is coming out of Vertigo. And, and Marvel's had, like I said, other attempts I see occasionally – for sale on sale like when they were trying to bring european comics in and it just didn't sell well, well everybody points you know when you're in a store and people say what's a really a great comic and they, everyone points at sandman no doubt sandman is really is great but it takes effort to get into sandman to read that to understand the shifting of the story and the way the characters emote i think especially work. because i think it is tied just enough yeah. into a larger universe when it was at least when it was starting yeah he kicked free eventually but you know yeah but you know, you look for you look for stories that are going to be accessible, and they're going to get those people. Hooked. I think Fables is still a fantastic. I think gateway, Fables, is, gateway yeah, drug. Fables, Fables works, too. Uh, but you're right. We three is a is a standalone. Um, you know, I will yeah. see. Let's let's move to the next because once you've got you hooked, the next thing Marvel and Funko are launching Marvel Collector Core boxes because that's the big thing now. Those. What I don't know, you guys know the, the like companies, loot crate, the yeah the loot crate, and there's a and there's a, comp- a competitor, uh, um, Geekco or uh, it's the, the Geekbox or something like that. So there is nothing that can be innovated by any other company that touches on the comics world that Marvel will not eventually try to do for themselves. Yeah, we see it over and over and because over. Loot again. Crate had a special cover edition of, of Star-, Star Wars in the last box and Rocket Raccoon number one, and there was yeah. a Spider Man that they did too. No more because it's all going to be Marvel and uh, Funko now. So collector core, and um, <clears throat> I'm just going to you know after the podcast I'll point it towards you and say let's look and see because here's you'll get these special exclusive bobbleheads uh-huh. uh, that we've all said oh we're not going to get into and yet they still keep finding their way into our collections, um, starting with an Iron Man, and if you subscribe before it actually starts. At the one, one at the end of the year, there'll be an exclusive Founders Founders bobblehead that only ah uh, 
Um, and you, so each month you'll get you'll get a, a bobblehead, you'll get some other kind of collectible, you'll get a T-shirt, and uh, and I think some comics will be thrown in there, collectibles, and I don't know. I did one of these a couple of years ago, and it was okay. it was okay. It was it was mostly for like Silicon Valley tech stuff. And the first couple were really pretty cool. You got T-shirts, and you got stickers, and you got all these things from companies that had were either on their way up or, in some cases, on the way were, down. We're gone, or <laughs> we like, have this warehouse full yeah. of shirts. Pets dot com. Oh wow! <laughs> um, you get just a lot of socks, yeah, lot of sock puppets, and felt ears to, to sew <laughs> yeah, on. You assemble your own <laughs> dog. Uh, yeah, but uh, as I remember, it was it was. It was good at the beginning, and then it faded fast. And there was like you, you were just seeing like repeats and well, other stuff. So but but the loot crate actually, uh, they, what they've been doing. There's if you go on YouTube, uh, people do unboxings of the loot crate stuff, and they've all looked pretty good. Yeah, I don't know anybody that actually subscribes. I've been tempted a couple times. They send us stuff all the time, and not actual stuff. They send us emails all the time, and. And I kind of go, you know, I mean, I'm trying not to spend this money. And where do you put all this stuff? That's right. Um, and yet, I still buy stuff occasionally, you know. Well, it's not all dust collector stuff. Sometimes it's it's T-shirts. And there was a great, uh, uh, what's it's not Transformers. What's the other big? Uh, Wait a minute, I just processed what you said. Dust collector stuff? <laughs> Sir, take that back. Tell me yours aren't dusty. That's not my point. I, I say, sir, when you had me drive back a life-size Galactus. Still in the box. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I so, did, and I did once allow your Starro uh, collector set to touch a Justice League 28 uh, or a Showcase 28 that had the star that was the Starro cover. Anyway, go ahead. Um, Yes. Yeah. Now, uh, the 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 point the point is that they they are they are probably worth investigating. We'll, we'll, we'll look into. Maybe we'll have an. Maybe we'll do. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll uh, dip into the Fanboy Planet Fund and get one for the team. Wait, we have a fund. <laughs> <laughs> we do as soon as people start hitting that <laughs> donate button on thank you on the website. Podcast producer and rainmaker. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, you should see Rick and the Pasties. Uh, so. <laughs> whatever it takes man you just committed uh so that's a marvel collector core you can look it up on the web um it's interesting uh also today on the dc side just to not give them a love scott snyder actually implied an origin a specific origin for the joker that changes things or it could be crazy i i don't want to spoil at this point but it could change things forward and explains how the joker could get a face how the joker could come back from having seemingly been killed Oh, hundreds of times. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of interesting. Uh, I, I don't want to spoil it because people might not have read that issue of Batman uh, number 38, I guess. Or it could all just be a ruse. This is the last of... Oh, no, uh, I don't think it's all a ruse. I think it's 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 being... Fr- it, it was being... Uh, this is part four of the latest... Yeah, uh, it was being yeah. explained to Batman in such a way that uh, that we as readers could either take this guy's explanation... Mm-hmm. Or say, oh, this guy really doesn't know what he's talking about. Okay. But Scott Snyder has kind of gone on the record and said, yeah, I thought it'd be an interesting background and an explanation. So, yeah, I don't know. Did you read it yet, Nate? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a a very interesting 
which I think has been a hallmark of Scott Snyder's run. Uh, and I, I mean, maybe actually Grant Morrison kind of laid down, because we just have to keep referencing Grant Morrison mm-hmm. when we can, laid down the idea of, you know, the Gotham as a, as a living, breathing thing of itself, a, a life force that's been there for hundreds of years. The Joker goes along with that now, um, it, or could. And, you know, with Court of Owls, you know, did this whole back, you know, created right. this whole backstory. Back to the history, the, back you know, to Jonah Hex. Created the history. And so the same thing is going on here, which, you know, we can, we'll talk about Court of Owls a little later, I think, again, when we're talking about TV. But um, anyway, and then uh, Comixology Submit uh, mentioned their tops and released their top stars for 2014. And I don't need to necessarily go into all of them, although we've mentioned Vertigo. And one of them here was, I think it was Testament, was uh, from Douglas, writer Douglas Rushkoff, um, had been a Vertigo book, and he got the rights back, and it's like the number two of the year, the complete set on Submit, and saying the number one book is this thing called uh, Leaving Megalopolis by Gail Simone and Jim Fiore, who were big, I mean, well, she still is, I mean, you know, they're, they're creatives that have been big at DC and Marvel, but... They're doing gangbusters business over there with their creator-owned stuff, and the great thing about digital is, you know, they don't have to—they don't have any publishing fees, right? And you look or at, inventory problems, right? And uh, I think this is an image book, Lady Mechanica. Yeah, it's—it's uh, it's actually it's one of the slowest published books available today. Yeah, uh, I think it's been—I think it's—I seriously think it's been out for three years, and they've done and he's well, maybe done three issues, but uh, you know, so I'm. Just, thing is that uh, but it's good you can take a look people and uh i'm gonna start looking again a little bit more at the submit stuff because i had not realized that creators of such high profile were going there and saying we're seeing the model change um and uh, maybe lady mechanica number four is on there uh you know eventually so uh let's talk movies shall- oh no it's not we're gonna play somehow i accidentally oh i skipped over it's time to play What's in the bag? It is. No, that's not What's the, uh, in the bag? What's in the bag? All right. What's in your bag, Nate? I only have two items in my bag this week. You're a good, good boy. Item number one is Big Trouble in Little China 8. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> How they doing? I thought this was going to be like a six or eight issue miniseries. I did too. It's longer because it says to be continued. All righty. Well, when uh, they when they when they turned it into a road story, that was where I I just before that I thought it was coming to a close. Yeah, I exactly. thought it was originally announced as a six issue, or maybe I maybe I did just assume that. But okay, so are you still enjoying it? Uh, yeah, I wish they would just make it into a movie. Uh, but here's a question I have, honestly. When you say that, you wish they would make it to a, in a movie. Can can anybody play Jack Burton besides Kurt Russell to you? Absolutely not. All right. So if they made it into a movie now and Kurt Russell is in his 60s, would we accept? I, I don't know that it's that funny to have a he guy that He was in cl- Death Proof. That's true. He was, yeah. It wasn't that long ago. Five years? Maybe. Maybe. He's in something where he looked really old. I just, I just saw a trailer for it where I was like, "That's fine." I mean, this the he comic looked pretty is vital set in, in 1986. I'm sorry, uh, what? Because they actually said in the book in a caption, "1986, all blah 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 blah." 
I mean, they could set it in 2016. I don't care. Yeah. 2015, or do 2016. It as a, well, what the hell? Do it as a period piece and just say, oh, man, some Chinese <laughs> He's a little road worries. It ain't the age of the mileage. Lopan <laughs> Kirsten. There we go. Um, okay, so that's good. Uh, what's in your bag, Rick? Well, I have in my yeah, hand. Don't rustle it for effect. I have my hand Uncanny Avengers number one. Rick Remender and Daniel Acuna. Acuna, and this is—it's uh, a reboot of the uh, of the of the Unity Avengers Unity Squad with uh, with standard human humanoid superheroes and well, humanoid—they're all humanoid—standard <laughs> human superheroes. Well, how do you define it, really? I was trying to put—you've got—you have mutants, and then you've got everybody else, right? Right, so that's how you say. Is it. that how you I, say? I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure that's how it. Yeah. I think that's how it was. It was humans and and mutants together. So the team, the team, you've got uh, Quicksilver and Wanda, which we'll get back to. Rogue, the Vision, and then the and then the new Captain America, mm-hmm. and then the two most interesting of the crew. First, Sabretooth, Sabretooth yeah. and he's still the flipped from uh, from the original. Uh, not original sin. It was uh, Axis. Ax- Axis, and then uh, Daniel Drum, brother B- B- brother Voodoo. Is he Daniel or Jericho? I think he's Jericho. You're right. Daniel Daniel's his brother. brother. That's the dead one. They kept on saying Daniel Moore in the book. And okay, they I call the other one brother. And I still think I I remember when he. And by came, the way, he's not brother Voodoo. He's Doctor Voodoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, when he was brother, Voodoo? when he was brother Voodoo, he's referred to as Doctor Voodoo in Uncanny, Uncanny Avengers. And he's basically their their Doctor Strange. They they actually make a comment about about that that he's the he's the yeah. strange element in this. Uh, what's interesting about this is we're picking up the storyline where Wanda and and Pietro are looking for their origins now that they know Magneto is mm-hmm. not their father. And there's so many so many things in here that I just like that just tickle the the 16 year old Rick um, because. I really loved Adam Warlock when it came out uh, mm-hmm. with uh, with the High Evolutionary and Counter Earth. So they're they've gone to Counter Earth. They're fighting the New Men. Uh, you and I liked Brother Voodoo when it came out. I thought it was a really cool idea. I think the character's design on him has only gotten better in this. It was always a cool character design. And and Sabretooth is is uh, he's not just he's not, not not just filling the Wolverine role. He's still Sabretooth. No, he's, he's a, a very different character. He's a very yeah. he's not he's not the same violent Ill, you know, illy violent uh, Sabretooth. But he's 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 not sweet. He has remorse. Yeah, he's but, got, that, but you but remorse isn't enough to make someone different. And right. that's what I th- I find interesting. Where he keeps making that comment, like I feel bad about what I do. But, but I, lucky. Sometimes I have to do it. Yeah, yeah you know. Well, no, I mean, but he right. says, I feel bad about what I did. Yeah. But um, there's still a part of him that is like, it's not, fi- he doesn't have to fight to keep it down. But there's, right. a, there's one threatening scene where he's like, you're so lucky when he meets the new men. And this is like in the old days, like, oh, you would have, it would have been so sweet to just tear you apart. Right, right. And we've had, we've had Shavertooth flipped before. Yeah. And I don't think it's been done this well. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be one of my favorite Avengers and you, books. And if you, well, you know, I had fallen off of Uncanny Avengers and way behind, and I picked this up, and I just and I read it, and went again, great jumping out. It is a number one reboot. Yep. Why? Why is it a number one? 
It really is a reboot of the team. It is a it is a complete it, it is a different team. I don't think any uh, Rogue was the only ma- uh, Rogue and Scarlet Witch were on the team originally yes. in the first issue, yes. the first run. Um, but so, but a lot of the teams kind of been burned out by Axis and you know yeah and and, 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 if we, and and I think that there's enough the mystery of what Counter Earth is is a mystery enough to the characters as well yeah that if you don't you know you don't have to feel steeped in the continuity to get into this so I was really glad I picked this up also I was like the vision. Um, and, and it's I, a good vision too. The vision has been is well the the, the whoever's doing the lettering and the, and the thought the, the word bubbles is doing a really good job yeah. in that because they're coming in off page, colored yeah. against the character you eventually realize is saying it on the next page or two. Yeah, yeah. So um, or uh, yes, uh, and so I will go with uh, I instead of saying because I've got trade paper, but I've got things that you really can't just jump into. Yeah. But I do want to say there's a couple of really great covers. So I'm going to use mine to say this. Justice Incorporated number six from Dynamite has a beautiful, a, cover. Co- a beautiful cover. which uh, It's still Alex Roth, isn't it? Pay, it's Alex Roth paying homage to all the other original. It, all the characters in front with the pulp uh, covers yeah, behind yeah. them. So it's, it's, uh, it's beautiful there. I, this is a month in which I'm enjoying covers because then also it's Flash Tribute Month at DC. So you can get alternate covers that actually pay homage to both. The Flash being their most currently now their most popular character, thanks to Grant Gustin, and uh, that it, it's drawn. This is actually by Steve Rude, but it's drawn like an old Nick Cardi cover of Aquaman. Uh, so Rude is wonderful. You can you can really look at that. Flash is definitely holding his breath. Yes, you know. <laughs> yes, but but the thing is, he's also it's Steve Rude is able to draw in a lot of different styles and still look like Steve mm-hmm. Rude. But also look like who he's trying oh, yeah, to be, definitely. You know, and so that—that's it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and there's a lot of covers like that out there on the stands this month. With you'll you'll catch them as they're the ones where just out of nowhere the Flash is running across <laughs> or swimming across. In this case, I don't think the Flash is in the book. Um, you know, I think they're just doing that. And you know, and they had a Lego, they a Lego superhero one a month ago, and they had the bombshells. But I love the Lego ones; were the most fun. I tried to get as many of those as I could. So that's my. It's more of the covers, and then I'll get to the trade paperbacks when we come come back around. So Nate, what's the other one in your bag? Uh, we touched on it earlier. Batman thirty-eight. Ooh, okay. Uh, oh. One of only three DC titles that I still purchase, and with good reason that you purchase it because Scott Snyder is doing incredible work. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I've been, I hadn't been buying Batman until he started this run with the Joker. I mean, I bought the previous Death of the Family, and that, that's all. Yeah, that stuff. I kind of dropped away, and so it's not back on. So I'm going to have to buy all this as a trade. Yeah, which is fine because then it's, I know it's a story I want to keep, and it's easier to put it on a shelf than it is in a box and go away in the garage. Well, in the middle of their their numbered run on this, what's the? It's Retribution, or what's the? Uh, what's the name of this story arc? Endgame. Endgame. That's right. Uh, so it's end, and this is Endgame four, and it says episode four or something on the cover. But yeah, part four. The, in the middle of it, they had an annual, which also picked up the storyline. And so right. I'm behind at the annual point. Oh, okay, so I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna have to get a trade. Yep. All right, that make a nice fat trade. Yeah. My next book is time running out in New Avengers, and did you see this? Did you? That's the Beyonder. It's the Beyonder on the front cover. And do you see who he's playing with? Yellow jacket? Yeah. Um, This is, whereas last week the Fantastic Four was intimating 
the beginning of yeah time running out the secret wars this is opening the door this is this is we're we're starting to walk down the hall towards it and i don't want to spoil too much in this but this is this is the payoff for all of the stuff that had been happening for the last year in the new avengers you know what ticks me off what's that i didn't buy that you didn't buy that and it's the first time i haven't bought new avengers i'm like i'm so behind i don't even know and i didn't even really notice that this is actually you could jump on at this point. Well, no, they I'm do the summary to, and they just, explain what's going on. Well, because I want to get in, I want to read Secret Wars. Yeah, this this is really a this is the Marvel. book you you really need if you haven't. It doesn't matter if you haven't been buying the the New Avengers before. Pick this one up and you can't miss it because there's the Beyonder on the front cover in his white suit, and there's a last page reveal in this that I didn't see coming. Um. Well, the last I had, uh, Brian Michael Bendis had retconned Secret Wars 2 into being completely on an alternate world by an inhuman, a, a very powerful inhuman who had been uh, outcast or, uh, by by Black Bolt. Yeah. So I don't, I'm, I don't know if... Well, you've been reading this. So it's Black Swan has been kind of there for a lot of the other universes yes. dying. And, has, yes. and there's been a lot of talk about all these other arcane races that have come around, the gardeners and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. So there's another, there's a race called the Ivory Kings. And we get to find out who they are. Okay. Then say no more. I will, I will go back to the shop this weekend and I will pick that up. Yep. Uh, my my next in the bag is actually this is a big day for trade paperbacks because re- extremely reasonably priced. Although I wish I was only buying one, you know, instead of I bought three today. Uh, but the, but uh, this is the life after from Oni Press, uh, which I talked about the first issue when I picked it up at Earth mm-hmm. Two in Sherman Oaks and went, oh, it's interesting because uh, I was say a friend, a a a writer that I was on a panel with once, and and he wrote Doctor Who for a while, Joshua Hale Fialkov, who's a really nice guy. Uh, uh, but that's not why you should buy it. I interviewed um, him at Gallifrey. In, yeah, and I know you interviewed him later. Uh, that he is a really interesting, interesting writer. And the life after from Oni Press is sort of a sci-fi fantasy afterlife thing, which reminded me a lot of Riverworld in mm-hmm. its initial setup. And then uh, I missed a couple of issues, unfortunately, due to schedule, and they got sold out at the shop. So I went, okay, I'm just going to wait for the trade. The trade's only ten dollars. The first five issues. For ten dollars, which then means it's it's two bucks an issue, which yeah. is cheaper than it actually was originally. So this is a bargain. You gave me the first issue, and I remember now reading it and thinking I'll pick this up when I see it. And I just never saw it on the shelf, so I never picked right, it up. Right, because so Oni is, Oni is one of those book uh, yeah. those publishers that doesn't necessarily get all the. You know, this is why I was talking when we talked about the image subscription service that you know there are these stores that just you know look. I mean, because the stores in the business. To make money, right? And if there are books that are or publishers that you know that, that just that they don't have customers that are reading them, so how do you get them there? So uh, right here, this is part of my I am pushing hashtag comics forward with this fantastic Oni trade. Great deal, great story. Pick it up. And the title again is The Life After by Joshua Hale Fialkov, and the artist is a guy named Gabo, and it's really it, it, it's uh, it's cool. I, you know, that's the other thing with the when you talk about what comics can do, the art can be all kinds of different styles. And this is an interesting, you know, it's not the standard. Uh, it shouldn't be the standard superhero because it's not a superhero book. But it, yeah. but it's just it's an interesting style and interesting coloring, and um, it's cool. Yeah, it really the start. I, who does? Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, the Manhattan Projects. I don't know the who the artist is. 
but no, the, artist on, the artist on Manhattan the artist on Manhattan projects it reminded me of that artist a bit not quite as uh, I can't remember who that is yeah so I, I will tell you kind of quietly like seconds all right oh that's right because you don't have a th- third book so Rick what's your third book while Nate's looking my third up? book oddly enough is the book that I thought had a chance Nick of Patera no okay, okay. thank you so my my third book is a book that I thought I might have a chance at going on my I'm not going to buy this book anymore after the second issue of well the fourth issue of uh, mm-hmm. Thor with the female Thor but in this issue they turned me around entirely on that book and they did it by having probably one of the more reasonable and believable meetings between old and new Thor uh, in this issue mm-hmm. and answering not so much in a positive questions as to who she is, but more about who she isn't. Um, and what's cool about this... I can I, say she isn't anyone sitting at this table right she, now. That is definitely true. Um, what's cool about the uh, this book is they're doing something in this that not a lot of books are doing anymore, which is Thought Bubbles. We get insight into her, what she's thinking. It had gone away for a long time. And that's interesting because Gaz Gretzky and I just had a conversation about, about thought Should bubbles. You have thought bubbles? And, a, lot of, a lot of times um, thought bubbles have been replaced by just the captions, it, by captions to the picture, you know, a, yeah. a squared, a squared uh, bubble. But these, this is actually her, her, her thoughts are probably as important as what she's saying at any given time. Because she doesn't say what she's thinking, and she's not being as honest with everybody else as what she's thinking. It will be thinking. interesting to see if that comes back as a stylistic thing. Like, yeah. I think Bendis was the one who really started to live. No, you know who did? Yeah. John Byrne. Way back when, in Fantastic Four, when he was on that, he eliminated thought bubbles. Yeah. Bendis tried to bring it back. I remember when he was so doing... See that one? He yeah. went over to Avengers, she's, one of the Avengers books. She's yeah. talking to Thor, and her thought bubble is going, he's so sad. Which, I mean, just the way she's saying that, she's not using old English speak, and she's... Oh, I, mean, I had read that that was the thing. Is yeah. That it's clearly that she is not Asgardian because she's not... So, yeah. So you can go back to the podcast where we said it's clearly Thor's mom and although, say we're full of Although crap. when you look at the... Look at the um, this is Asgardian text coming out yes. of her mouth. Because she's holding. So I think it's supposed to be. It's supposed to she's sound like holding Mjolnir. But internally, which by the way is the name of uh, the uh, adult film version we'll be shooting later. Holding Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Uh, so <laughs> he's so sad. I hate to see him like this. I just want to hug him. Do superheroes hug each other? So she's really lost. She's she's. Uh, could she be Jane Foster? Because if it turns out that she's Thordis, I'm going to be very upset. She could be Jane Foster, but. If she is, she's certainly not aware of it. Could she be Angel? Angela? That's what I meant. No, she can't be Angela. Uh, I, I'm I'm a hundred percent certain of that because Angela's Have appearing they appeared with the, in same, the same scene together. She hasn't had any gaps in what she's doing. <laughs> they I, appeared in an advertisement together. I just want to say that I watched the Venture Brothers special. Oh yes. Which of course is you can't have that character that's the Red Hulk without making me think of Nate. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> when, he, when he hulked out and he was yeah. red. Yeah, and yeah. They, have a gen, they have a General Ross yes. character, and he turned into the Red Hulk. <laughs> I was like, oh, Nate would hate this show. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> so but he keeps his mustache. So I got Good. totally turned around by issue number four, Thor, and it's back on my solidly buy list. And, in fact, it's probably going to be one of the first books I read 
for a while now until okay, until it goes south. Well, if I could mention one other book, because I because Nate had a gap, yeah. I think that um, I've mentioned this before. I think it's really a, a super fresh book and a fresh an artist who's just not. It's another. I'm waiting for the trade. It's but, a top cow, I'd, and it's Death Vigil. By Stepjohn Sejic. I'm sure we're not pronouncing that correctly. S-T-J- and by we, I mean you. S-T-J-E-P-A-N. S-E-J-I-C. Um, but everything about this book, just every time I pick it up, I my son convinced me to buy this. And um, so I buy it ostensibly for him because he gets to read it first and he gives it back to me to store mm-hmm. and I read it. Um it's a it's a great take on supernatural battles between two sides. It's all the characters are interesting and new I re- powers. I read, I read the first issue at your recommendation and Justin's recommendation. I really enjoyed it. And yeah. again, it was another where, because there were a couple of we- uh, months where it would be uh, difficult for me to get into the store on Wednesdays. Sometimes, you know, by the time you get in on Thursday, Friday, or even Saturday, if it's a not a top because at my age, that's what happens. Yes, uh, you know, it used to be when I was young. Wednesdays, everything was dropped so I could get to the comic book store. Indeed. And then then I discovered girls. Uh, No, it's in my day, they would, the new comics came out on Friday. I remember that. Yeah, that was weird. The last book I have, as I've aged up, is uh, the trade paperback of Outcast by Robert Kirkman. And uh, what's the the first name of the other? Paul Azakeda, which of course we know uh, is being developed for television as well, I think by Showtime. Um, a supernatural drama, a new horror series from the Walking Dead creator Robert Kirkman, but the first six issues for $10. And again, this is another one where I got the first two issues, read them, loved them, and then three and four, somehow I missed in the shop, and I was right. like, okay, i got to get the trade. And what a fantastic deal. But also, it's not just a fantastic deal because it's a fantastic deal. It's a fantastic deal because, one, it is not to be confused with the upcoming Nicolas Cage movie, uh, and two... Uh, it's six issues for ten dollars, and it's a great, great story. It's a fan, you know, it's an exorcism. It's a demonology. It takes place in a small town in America. So it's exorcism. It's, it's demon possession. Is that the there supernatural? is a demon that is that is basically haunting this one guy who had who has had to face it twice before, and nobody believed that he was that this demon had possessed people in his life. Twice and has come back a third time, and uh, you know I think it had possessed his mother, possessed his daughter at one point, and so he's like everyone in the town treats him as an outcast because he's he's been on these domestic violence charges, and it's because he was actually trying to defend himself from this demon, demon fighting, yeah. and there's a reason for it which uh, Kirkman twists and reveals. So, um, so is this going to be uh, a television production? Mm-hmm. It's okay. going to be a television show. So. Uh, Kirkman's really overdue for a movie. He isn't he doing Invincible one? movie? Uh, Nate, isn't he writing something? I have no idea. I thought that he had um, that there's something where he's actually gone straight to just sold a script on something, and I can't remember what it was. But um, we'll look that up for for a later point. Let us talk movies because one that we were sort of in at the beginning of, and we talked before. Uh, Rick, sort and I, of in the beginning of, sort of. 
Uh, well, no, we, we were in the beginning. Uh, we were in the beginning of talking about the film, not of the events of it. I, and I don't want to oversell our importance because it really, ultimately, in the big scheme of things, what did we do? We had these. We had the director <laughs> on the show, uh, on the podcast, Dana Nachman, uh, and at Slam Dance this last weekend, Bat Kid begins the document. Uh, the, it's Bat Kid begins the wish heard around the world, uh, the the story of Miles Scott, the young boy who was. Uh, Stricken with leukemia and through Make-A-Wish Foundation, his wish was what anybody's would be is to be Batman. And actually that the city of San Francisco uh, made it come true. And uh, so actually allowed him to capture, I believe it was the Riddler and the Penguin uh, in, in the city of San Francisco and drive a Batmobile and be with Batman. And anyway, the documentary... And mini Batmobile. And mini Batmobile. And we had uh, the director, Dana Nachman, on before Comic-Con, and they had a panel there. And uh, at Comic-Con, I did introduce her to some people to see if they could help with stretch goals and that kind of thing. At any rate, it was finished, and it is fine. It uh, made its debut last Saturday at Slamdance. Uh, and the day before its world premiere, uh, it was announced that Julia Roberts has attached to uh, remake it as a narrative feature film i just love that 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 term julia roger rogers roberts is, is attached, attached to the property to the it's property. like she's holding on tightly well i read an she's article drawing sustenance I, I read an article that says, says she might be playing the um director of the make-a-wish foundation because yeah. that woman was at the slam dance debut and there was a review and had the photo uh and it wasn't clear it was just that she's interested i think it's a great uh the submarine is the um production company that is handling uh bat kid begins as a documentary and they started a new imprint i don't know if you call it a, a boutique line called sub slash version hmm. in which they're going to take documentaries Cute. and nice try name. to sell them to as to to be remade as feature films which i think is, is sure because yeah. i know there are people who might be interested in the story but won't watch it because it's a documentary and then when the blu-ray comes out you've got both on the disc but the really great news locally is that uh, Rick and I got to attend the launch on Tuesday of uh, the announcement of what was going to happen in the 25th year of CineQuest here in San Jose, the uh, world-renowned film festival. And um, at the announcement, it was, it, it was indeed announced that the opening night film, they're going to open CineQuest with Bat Kid Begins, The Wish Heard Around the World. And it everyone was excited about it, partially because Dana's other films have all played at CineQuest, and the editor uh, of the film is Kurt Kenny, who had done this uh, documentary a couple years ago called uh, Dear Zachary, which is currently on Netflix. And they just if you're going to watch it, and you should, it's it's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. It might even be one of the best movies I've ever seen. It you need a box of Kleenex. You absolutely need a, a box of Kleenex. Uh, so it, it's, uh, but it's on Netflix and a fantastic film there. Anyway, Kirk is the editor on this, and he's also often on the often working with with uh, CineQuest. So it's like almost like the filmmakers themselves were nurtured by this film festival, and now and they have these films that have this renown, and this is the first chance to really bring in one of these after they've really become now. There's a lot of attention worldwide on what they're doing. So. It's great that Cinequest goes. That's why people were excited. They knew who Dana was. Right. We're, we were in a crowd of people who knew who those filmmakers were. Yeah. So that's very exciting. And another highlight we want to say there is we've had a bit on as a guest is that they're going to have – what do they call their journalist award? Maverick. Um, uh, not Maverick. Um, no, they've, given a, they've started last year giving yeah. awards to film journalists – 
and Richard von Busack, who's written for the Metro for decades and was on the podcast last year as like a, as part of our Oscar preview night. Um, a really great guy. He's getting honored this year. They they interview. They talk about his his life in film criticism. I'd forgotten we had one of his favorite movies. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah, it, was it was great. Was it was a great having that you know different voice. Yep. And someone who's a little more serious. He is a fanboy. He does love comics, but he's you know his life is movies. You know, and and so that was great. And it's really nice to see someone homegrown honor because last year we had Harry Knowles was one yep. of the first recipients of this and. Uh, and so, you know, it's it's really great that Richard's got that. So we're looking – we'll be doing more with CineQuest, and we'll probably have a special podcast interview with people from CineQuest, as well as during CineQuest we'll be gathering stuff. Just like we did the last two years. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I haven't had a chance to get into my uh, bag of screeners, but uh, I'm looking there's, forward to – There's there's a couple in the screeners that look really like they're going to be good ones. We got the house on Pine Street, didn't we? They, isn't that one of those? Uh, we got the boys and brownies, and uh, I forgot what the the, the, the whole title a, of that movie. And Aspie looking for love, I think. Was, yeah, Aspie uh, looking for love. So there. some yeah. really intriguing stuff. Because the great thing about uh, about Cinequest is that I always get attracted to like what are the nerd things. Bat Kid Begins, mm-hmm. no brainer. And then you go and you find something else. And last year, you know, there were Prairie Home. I think was the one that the documentary about the. Uh, transgender folk which was a, it was it was a good film i i liked that one yeah. uh, but you know then i discovered of course you know last year we fell in love with eternity the movie and and love in the time of monsters and you know so you get you get to find some very interesting little things going to a festival we're told there's a new short by greg pack that will be playing there as well so hopefully ah. and the film there's a film with uh, simon and peg yeah, and so hoping that uh, we're going to be able to get uh, – still negotiating to see if Greg Pack's going to go to CineQuest. But since last year when they had Neil Gaiman as a as a recipient award, we got a chance to sit down with Neil Gaiman. I'm hoping we'll get a chance to sit down with Greg Pack. And the Mavericks – And and the Maverick Spirit Award was Neil last year, but I don't think Greg's getting an award. But this year is – who? Oh, John oh, Borman. Oh, it was John Borman, yes, yes. with uh, his latest film, which is based on his childhood or his young adulthood. Yeah, there's there's a film. Uh, it's a follow-up. Hope and Glory. Hope and Glory, which uh, is a follow-up to another. There was something and something, and I, I was reading about it. I couldn't find it on any of the streaming services. No, Hope or, and Glory is he's only like seven or eight in that one. So well, there's there's two that are connected. There was um, one after Hope and Glory, and okay. I can't remember what it is, but I've seen Hope and Glory. I haven't seen the second one. Right. Uh, now... If you guys get to sit down with Greg Pack and it's not an internet connected mm-hmm. type of thing, you need to sing my praises. Of course Hulk. we will. Of course. <laughs> That's what we'll talk about. We won't even talk about his new movies. Just go, so Greg, Planet Hulk. <laughs> Were you a genius from childhood thinking about this plot? <laughs> or you know. Uh yes. Um so hey, we're looking forward to that. We'll be talking more about that. So let's talk about some cast. There's been so many casting rumors and cast and so much casting excitement this week. So let's run it down. First of all, we know that Benedict Cumberbatch is Doctor Strange, but now the rumor cropped up this week, and I think that Uncanny Avengers number one sealed it for me. Yeah. Is that Marvel is talking to Chiwetel Ejiofor, uh, who was the nominee for Best Actor last year for Twelve Years a Slave. Uh, is uh, they're, they're talking to him for a mysterious role in uh, Doctor Strange. People are going like, would he be the Ancient One? Would he be Wong? No. And I was like, no. no. And then I went, well, you know, somebody said, well, could he be Brother Voodoo? And I was like, eh, that just seems a little obvious. And then I got picked up Uncanny Avengers number one this week and went, oh, 
Doctor Voodoo is a member of the Avengers. Right. Why? Why? Yes, I would bet a hundred percent. Then uh, that, that that's who they're. And talking. he's got a he's got a streamlined new look too. So and actually, they were. I think somebody else said, "Well, maybe he'd be born Baron Mordo." And I'm like, "No, make the no no no. He's no. Too Euro you make trash. Mordo Euro trash. Absolutely." Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry if we've just offended all of Europe. Uh, so uh, it's <laughs> just, just the trashy part. It's. Uh, do you know that sometimes when you're helping, you're not helping? <laughs> <laughs> just just pointing that out. As Tommy Smothers once said, some kind of helping is the kind of help that help is all about, and some kind of help is the kind of help that we could all do without. Mm. So that was in Free to Be You and Me. Uh, so it rhymes, it, so it's true. <laughs> it's true. At least it's memorable. Uh, no, it's true because it's true. Okay? <laughs> so uh, anyway, I think that that... that Wanting to find an actor, and yes, I mean, really, what's going to happen now that I've seen Birdman is, is that what's going to happen in the in in Hollywood is the line is drawn. If you haven't been in a DC movie, you're in a Marvel movie, and if you're not in either one of them, who are you again? Yes, you know, <laughs> right, right. it's going to get that point. Glenn Close is Agatha Harkness. No, Glenn Close is in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, she was right. Nova Prime. She could play two roles. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, I mean, when that scene in Birdman plays out and he's like, get me the so-and-so, and it's like, well, he's on the set of Avengers right now. It's like, ah! You know, like, <laughs> it is true. Like, all these Oscars, you know, this is Jeremy Renner who? The kid, he won the, you know, he was in that great movie that, the that Hurt Locker thing is like, well, he's 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 playing the Arrow guy in <laughs> Avengers. <laughs> like, yeah, the Arrow that's guy. What happens. <laughs> so, anyway, he's that's what's happening. That. Or if you're in a superhero movie, then you are on the top of the list for every other superhero. Oh yeah, because the other Henry rumor, Cavill. because the other rumor here is this week is that somehow oh, yeah. Disney comes out and says, oh, we're going to reboot Indiana Jones, and so. And I love watching people online get all freaked out, like, no, no, this is no. This is a rumor of a rumor. This yeah. is a rumor of we're thinking about it's a good rumor, rebooting Dr. Uh, uh, re- Dr. Jones, of re- rebooting <laughs> Indiana Jones. And, uh, and so they, they want Chris Pratt. Well, Chris Pratt's already going to be in Cowboy Ninja Viking. He's already in Jurassic World. And if Jurassic World does well and they'll make Jurassic World 2, which they will, and his character does not get eaten by velociraptors. Then, which he won't. Which he won't because he's Chris Pratt. Then he's going to be in that. So he's going to be juggling so many franchises. And here's What if thing. he does no, die no, no. It, it, like uh, Channing Tatum did in G.I. Joe? Uh, well, the rumor is they're trying to figure out a way to make Duke come back to life in G.I. Joe 3. Okay. It we entirely, never saw a body. That's right. It entirely depends on how the, how the existing contracts are written. But let's assume there's nothing keeping him there. You're, give, you're Chris Pratt. And you're given the opportunity to either do Jurassic World 2 or a new Indiana Jones movie. Which do you do? No, you're in Indiana Jones. Yeah, no but, doubt. But let me explain. You make the time. But let me explain something to you. There is no way they signed Chris Pratt to a contract for Jurassic Park, Jurassic World without forcing a sequel option. I think there's a way. Now, he can he can escape it, but there's no way that's not in his contract. Yeah. Because, I'm sorry, there is no studio, no major studio left on the face of this planet that does not lock everybody in for sequel opportunities. Which, which studio does the Jurassic... World. Universal. Universal? Okay. Yeah. So, um, and believe me, considering, yeah, at least in Hollywood, uh, in the in the Hollywood park, that's their big franchise. Yeah. 
you know, that's the ride. That's the ride. You know, they can have Harry Potter, but they don't get Harry Potter. You know, they can only have the castle there. Uh, they can't, you know, they can't make a Harry Potter movie, but right. they can make as many Jurassic Parks. And maybe if they make enough money, they'll fix some of the special effects on the ride and so that it won't look so, so lousy. Because <laughs> um, really, it is sad. You know, Jason Salazar and I wrote on it because um, I took the kids down and Jason and Sydney met us. And we went on and it was like, you know, it's like you can see the mechanics underneath on the little you know, some the of gears it. and stuff. Yeah, because oh. they just didn't care until you get to T Rex, and the T Rex is absolutely terrifying. And I'm glad that you fall into water because then you can't see that I wet myself every time the <laughs> T Rex comes for you. They're always so, thinking. Every other dinosaur I find completely unbelievable, and then that T Rex comes down on you, and it's like, well, good thing we're falling. Uh, so. Um, but the question is, do we want an Indiana Jones reboot or could you just let that franchise go? I wouldn't mind if they were back to the essence of things and not trying to top the previous movies the mm -hmm. way that, you know, obviously Crystal Skull, Skull was just trying to, let's just blow everything out and the aliens and stuff. Well, and they also had to acknowledge, well, I mean, but the thing is, it's set in the 50s. Yeah. Therefore, what were the 50s concerned with? There's actually a lot of thinking that... People don't get, but it's went not into thinking it. about making a good story. I mean, they didn't. You know. Well, what Indiana Jones like to me when you go to Raiders of the Lost Ark? What were some of the things that you know you need a really clear cut, yeah, villain, and the and and unfortunately, well, that's unfortunately, well, unfortunately because it actually happened. The Nazis make one hell of yeah. a great movie villain, and no one else has ever, you know... That that war went on for a while. There are probably a couple more stories they could tell. You know, I the young Indiana Jones stuff that was done was done. It was very nice. I mean, they were... They, they, you can do more stories. I just that. got the, the the that setback on yeah. DVD, so I'm going to have to start watching. And it. the nice thing about that is they placed it into real history and had him encountering people from history, which and, was his intention. He wanted George Lucas's intention. He yeah, wanted he wanted that to be an educational more educational. Series. Yeah. So I mean, if you did that, just imagine crossing Indiana Jones with the best part of League League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, for a minute, I thought you were going to say the best part of Legally Blonde. I was very confused <laughs> by that. Sorry. Stammered on the letter. Uh, but League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, if you brought in that kind of layered history and encounters and stuff, that you would be cool. You do know that League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was completely fictional. Yeah. Okay, just making sure. Sure, break me. Well, no, I'm just saying the way... And, no, I'm just and, saying, but, but you know there, what I'm saying. there was a live-action film of Jonah Hex. Okay, but if you, you they did it... One of my favorite Sherlock Holmes movies is 7% Solution, because you got yes. Sigmund Freud in there, and he encountered, you know... And, the, and that whole Nicol, Nicholas Myers wrote stuff with uh, with Bram Stoker, Stoker and yeah. uh, you know, they're all the people that you can encounter in that time, and they made them really interesting. So why not, you know? Yeah. I think it's it, it's a wonderful opportunity to tell great stories. I think Chris I like, Pine could do that role. Chris Pratt. Pratt. Chris, Chris Pine, Pine would like to. Not. But I don't think that's yeah. Chris Pine. No. I, Chris I, Pratt. I, but Chris Pratt actually, like people are like, can you let it die? And like, but the thing is that Chris Pratt now, if I was Chris Pratt, I mean, the, I started thinking about that. I'm like, everything else I've ever had ever seen Chris Pratt in before. And when you read about like how he didn't care and how, you know, you see these pictures of him being really chunky and, he, and, and even on Parks and Recreation he was, you know. Yeah. And you go, it, it's sort of like saying Woody Harrelson on Cheers. If yeah. 10 years ago you'd said oh, yeah. the hottest actor in Hollywood would be 
this guy. Yeah. There is no way anybody would believe, but and here I am saying I will watch anything with Woody Harrelson and I will now watch anything with Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. So of course I would watch you know Indiana Jones if there's an actor who can capture what Harrison Ford did in the first one which to me is still the best by right. far than any right. of the other ones uh you know is um it would be actually Pratt because he's got he's got there's a playfulness that Harrison Ford allowed himself in that one that they kind of lost in and later there's, ones. And there's also that element of really really you know though when he's looking at the <laughs> yeah. the, the things that are happening to him and he's like <laughs> yeah. I don't believe this yeah I reject your reality yeah yeah you know, you know be, and and so you know I think there's a cluelessness a subconscious cluelessness that Harrison Ford had as yes, well as, yes. as Indiana Jones that someone like Chris Pine is you never believe for a second Pine I, or I, Pratt no I'm gonna I'm, okay. cause you because you had mentioned Chris okay. Pine like as another actor to say like Chris Pine is Kirk you never there's never a moment in any no. movie I've ever seen Chris Pine it's in too sharp that Chris Pine doesn't think he's he's the the shiznit. he's the alpha ma- male yeah. in the room and yeah and know. that's not who Indiana Jones no. is Indiana when Indiana Jones says this belongs in a museum. You believe that's truly his motivation. It has nothing to do with fame. Right. It has nothing right. to do with glory. And yet he gets a lot through it. So that's interesting. But a, a live action casting that I'd forgotten that they, Disney had announced it doing. Emma Watson from Harry Potter mm-hmm. has uh, been cast as Belle in the live action version of, of Beauty and the Beast. Because, of course, <laughs> Disney is going to consistently. <laughs> good Lord. Uh, is uh, ex Belliarmus? Is that what you said? <laughs> ex- uh, that uh, Disney is going to remake all their animated hits yes. uh, as live action films. Sure. Which They're is probably an why. Idea Factory. Uh, <laughs> you know, though, I saw a, tra- a trailer for the Kenneth Branagh Cinderella, the live action one, and at least the singing mice are there. And at first I thought they weren't going to be. And then when I saw them, I went. Okay. All right, I'm actually going to give this movie a chance. Yeah. Uh, because it's, huh. And then my son was a little unhappy because it's opening on his birthday. And Aww. I said, I said, we're going to see it. And he's like, what? And I said, I'm going. I don't know. What you're doing. <laughs> you can come along if you want. Yeah, yeah your birthday movie is Cinderella. <laughs> Welcome, son. Uh, no, I won't do that to him. But uh, I just thought it was, it was funny. So they announced Emma Watson. I thought, good choice. Yeah. Uh, you know, so... I don't really know much about it, um, but we'll see what happens there. The the other, so much casting. So X-Men Apocalypse, Brian Singer tweeted his new choices for a new Jean Grey, a new Cyclops, and a new Storm. Uh, and of course, it's uh, the the daughter from Game of Thrones uh, is the new oh, Jean yeah. Grey. Yeah. I wish I could remember any of these names. Um, because the other two actors, the new Storm is the woman who played Aaliyah on the Lifetime movie. And so people know her, but I, I don't. And uh, Shazbot or whatever her name is. Shazbot. I don't think her name is Shazbot, but thanks. Um, anyway, uh, the point is that they, she I, only has uh, one name, right? It's Sansa Stark. No, uh, Sh- yes, it's, it's yes, it is Sansa. Okay, Stark. I got it right here. So Jean Grey is Sophie Turner. There, she's the one from Game of Thrones. Storm is Alexandra Ship. Yes. Okay. And Cyclops is Ty Sheridan. And I'm not familiar with his work, but I'm willing to bet that they're all in Alexander Ship looks like she'd be good. Uh Sophie Turner is we already know as long as she plays later Sansa. But she but the thing is she is a, an actress who is already proven on Game of Thrones. Yeah. She can be go from the naivete that maybe they'd show us Jean Grey having as a young woman. I think so. Yeah. And 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 then to the sharp, okay, 
I've absorbed all these minds. You know, I if, think if that movie takes them that far, yeah. Because who knows what's going to happen yeah. in terms of, apoc- of of apocalypse facing them. But great casting there. Uh, they announced the Ghostbusters cast for the reboot. Yeah, and, and really not a not a single. Well, Kate McKinnon maybe a surprise. Um, uh, but that's another one where my question really is: Do we need it? They're not playing female versions of the originals, which is good. But why not just have a different movie? You want to make a supernatural comedy with those four women? Great, right. but don't call it Ghostbusters. Well, Les- Leslie Jones is is a little surprising and kind of interesting for Hollywood. You know, she's a black woman, but she's also forty. <sighs> You know why she's not interesting to me? Why not? Well, and, and Melissa McCarthy's forty, yeah. and and Kristen Wiig is forty. Um, I, I like Leslie Jones. I think she's a really sharp writer, and she's gotten. You can see her grow on Saturday Night Live this year mm-hmm. as a as a as an actor. She's apparently a very funny stand up, which I would totally believe. Right? Uh, you know, I just haven't seen her, so I say I believe that. But as an actor, I've seen her grow this year. But. Um, why that choice is not interesting to me is because then it, it what they've just done is mirrored the structure of the original. True, and it would have been more in, interesting she's if she's in the Ernie Hudson role instead of creating a new. Is role. she in the Ernie Hudson role though? And and my bigger problem with and I'll go with what you were saying before. It's like, um, how does this empower women to remake a movie where men were in it before? And all you're doing is asking for a comparison with, with right. that that movie. Whereas if you did something entirely new, as Ghostbusters was entirely new when it came out. Yeah. Um, and there have been plenty of movies where the, they've come up with brand new ideas for female-led movies, and they've worked just fine. Right. Um, I'm just – this. this is – this is only, right ha- down to the having all- it be compared to, and there is apparently an effort to make a, a stunt casting to put Bill Murray I- into the role of the the cynic, the guy that tries to shut him down. Uh, See, I don't like that. No, I mean, there's nothing about it that feels that, that doesn't feel calculated. Yeah, and so when I say, even like, if he was a ghost or and, something, and, which would be better. Which at one point they they had talked about that was one of the versions was like yeah. they could have him be be ghost busting from beyond the grave. It's just not Ghostbusters to me, and it's not because I won't accept these women in a very funny supernatural right. comedy. But it's exactly what you say. I have never seen a remake of a movie that is really good. Um, like the thing is, Ghostbusters two really isn't that good. But it's the, awful. But the first Ghostbusters. It's awful. Sorry. Yeah, it's it excellent. had, a, it it had its moments. The first Ghostbusters is so funny that really, when I first saw that movie, well, I went on opening day, first show. Um, not many people in the theater because yeah. nobody knew what it was. And then when I went back the next weekend with my college buddies, and there were lines I could not hear the second time I saw it. I was glad I'd seen it in a you know with not a lot of audience because. Right. There were punchlines. Too lines. many people laughing over there, the there prior were people, line. There were people that were laughing over the prior line, and you know, and and that's the thing. And I think, like Big Trouble in Little China, like Buckaroo Banzai, I saw that movie six or seven times in a theater in that summer that those things came out, that it came out, and 
it was an event. It's a movie that is, it still holds up. It's like when we went to see Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'd forgotten how good a movie that still is. When we saw the, re- the... When we saw it at Century 21. At, film at the and, final yeah. The yeah. final showing of Century 21. And so when you look at... You go back and watch Ghostbusters now, it's like, I that movie still holds up. There isn't a need for a reboot or remake. There's a need for those four women to be in a movie of their own. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's what Bridesmaids was, and that's why Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig are in this movie because yeah. you know they they were in Bridesmaids, right? And and that's not that's not to take away from they are great. Uh, Melissa McCarthy's a little one note for me, okay, but Kristen Wiig I think is just one of the I'm best, right there with you, one of the yeah. best actresses around right now. And I liked I I think Kristen Wiig really and Catherine and Kate McKinnon is uh, is absolutely my favorite on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, and I, I love what a fantastic actor she is, and so you know they're all people that I, I absolutely respect. I just don't want to see him in Ghostbusters. I think it's time for Kristen Wiig to find a stretch role to find a dramatic property to be attached to. Well, she did one she... in the Secret Life of Walter Mitty, sort of, and she did the Skeleton Twins. I saw which Secret I have, or Life of Walter. Uh, I haven't Mitty. seen the Skeleton Twins yet. Yeah, but I thought she was uh, she was luminous, and I, yeah. I don't use that word often, but but she was luminous in the secret life of Walter Mitty and I and I No, think, I easily you could easily fall in love with that woman the, in the in the in And I role. don't want to diminish because I hate to say that when you talk about an actress is like, well, you know, it, that's not that shouldn't be the judge but but that's she the is, admiration but, you but have that's for the admiration her. I yeah. Um, okay, I'm in love with Kristen Wiig. I am. Okay, but uh, and I really want to see the Skeleton Twins. And, you know, so I think in, you know she's one of those that say, oh, in four or five years she's the age she's going to have the agent that's going to push her for the Oscar role and she's going to get it. So yeah. you know, and but she's also fearless as a comedian. She's everything I respect and admire in a, in a comedian. Period. And there she, you know, and and that's what what people like Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy has no fear. I love that. Yeah. You know, I just she's a little one note. Though. You know, but uh, so anyway. Um, let's go to something that'll just upset, you know, uh, Nate, uh, the fantastic four trailer dropped this week. Sure did. Yeah. Go ahead, Nate. Let's hear it. Well, as I posted on Facebook, they certainly found a way to polish a turd. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, the trailer kind of almost made it look like something I would want to see. Yes, yeah, that's how I felt, and so it I, failed. And and I watched Yet, again. I know for a fact that I don't want to see it because it's going to be an enormous turd. Because when you watch it a second time, you realize that it actually tells you nothing. It is yeah, all exactly. based on something else's style. It looks a lot like the Interstellar trailer. Really does the narration kind of evokes that? Yeah, and. And I, I like I had a hard time. People were post. Uh, my friend Lewis posted on Facebook. It's like, well, it doesn't show me anything. And I'm like, but when I watched the first time, I'm like, ah, I had a gestalt issue, where it did just enough to suggest who these characters were. And if you're someone like us, you fill it who in knows who they are. I filled it in. I went, oh yeah, it's fine. Like when Miles Teller reaches out, I'm like, oh, he stretched. And then I watched it again. I went. No, he didn't. I even have that still. They even sent me the still, which I thought was brilliant on the part of the of the um, publicity company. They had the screen grabs ready. They sent screen grabs yeah. as well. So as boom, you downloaded the zip file. I was like, oh good, I didn't have to find. It. They they found those highlight things that they wanted. And listen up, publicity companies. You should be doing that because that's what everybody's doing anyway. Is pulling their gra- their screen their screen grabs off the video. Yeah. Take that moment, highlight them, go ahead, and we get a much higher quality. I'm down with it. But I realized, again, they didn't show me anything. 
except uh, okay, Ben Along. Grimm coming out of the out of the stone. You know, kind of. Well, you know what it remind me of a Kenner Chipaway set. Do you remember those? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> you when know. you see the kind of long shot of all four of them, and what is most likely the negative zone, I'm assuming. Yes. Uh no and no yes that is when yes they're all in they're all empowered they're looking at this thing and that's and that's rumored to be that that's how they get their powers they go to from the, a distance well in in the in the, the Ultimates awesome. universe the experiment they were doing when they got their powers is a four pronged thing poking up in and it's out in the middle of the desert so if it takes them to if it takes them someplace. Like to the negative zone, that'd be fine. But that was that's that image oh, okay. was right out of the Ultimate Fantastic Four. And then I see older fans who don't know about the Ultimate Universe yeah. posting and saying like, "Well, they're all too young." And I'm like, "No, because it's the Ultimate version, yeah. which has to really didn't didn't Mark Miller write the Ultimates version of Fantastic yeah, I think Four? So. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And so there you go. Mark Miller's in charge of all of it for Fox. Yeah. And so it is his vision. Uh, you know, I hadn't even really pieced that together till now. So of course he loves it. But um, you know, you know what the actually, and here's the problem though. I mean, and, and I go back to that is that it's the if it's the Ultimate Fantastic Four. No offense to any of those people, that's not my Fantastic Four. Yeah. And and I try to and I try to engage some people online about that to say that reasonably is like I have this friend Jordan. Yeah, I can name him because he, he would admit too. He first discovered Superman as Christopher Reeve in Superman the movie as a little kid. Mm-hmm. So nobody lives up to that. That's nothing else that any vision has ever done has been his Superman. Sure. And I get that. And but he doesn't remember he didn't encounter Fantastic Four the Until, same way uh, I d- did, which was I watched that Hanna Barbera cartoon, I think. Yes. Um I have vague memories of that and I had the origin of Marvel Comics and I reread and reread that or that Fantastic Four number one. So Reed was much older, Sue was much younger, Johnny yeah. was the kid brother, you know. And I mean, those were my Fantastic Four, and they all that always will be. You are always linked into who they were when you discovered them. So that I mean, that cartoon series, the Fantastic Four Saturday morning one, was what got me into buying my own comics. Mm-hmm. And that's I, when no, I, I think you talked about that last week. Yeah, and the but the thing about that, they, they used the original story. Stories mm-hmm. from the, and they used the original story art. Didn't arcs. they just kind of animate the? Uh... No, they were they were no, no, of, no, not, fully no, the redrawn. Fa- the Fantastic Four series was fully animated. Yeah. it was the um, it was the Marvel superheroes hour that had it was the Hulk, the Submariner, and the Thor one, Iron and Captain Man. America ones. There were more than I thought. Yeah, yeah. it was Thor, Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, and Submariner. Right, and those five were essentially. They just moved. They just the moved the yeah. yeah yeah drawings. Okay, um, they weren't quite crash cargo, but they but were. It, close. But it's really interesting, you know. People should look up at this because I I recently just got got a hold of my copy of this again. The Fantastic Four Big Little Book from the '60s. It was an original story. I think it's called House of Horrors. Um, I don't, do you have you ever seen that book? So the red cover one. Yeah, the red cover one. Yeah, I've got a that? copy of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I looked in it and it was like they actually repurposed Jack Kirby art. Yeah. So I, I I hadn't really realized that I had the I had the jigsaw puzzle of it too I haven't gotten that back huh. yet but uh, there's a jigsaw puzzle that's one of the pages from it because they were doing that for a while doing jigsaw puzzles that were pages from the big little book so ah uh, yes so um, anyway that's uh, was it House of Horrors is that what it was called I think it was I it was House of something but it was uh, it's like a mole man story or I think it's more like the ma- the magician the one that was the hypnotist at the oh uh, yeah, yeah yeah so anyway um be that as it may. We have these fond memories of the Fantastic Four, and that's not who the movie is. 
Now, yeah. are there pe- will that do well? It may have a fantastic opening weekend, no pun intended, because there's a whole audience that you know doesn't care the way it doesn't care in the same way we do. Yes, um, but you know, but I agree with Nate. It still doesn't look like it, it's not the it, you know it, it's not mine. It's not for me, and I'll see it. And I and another, I have friends that are going to be mad at me for saying that, but it's like no, I see every superhero movie. We need yeah. to go see it at the drive-in where everybody hides in the trunk or the back, or <laughs> so under we don't a have blanket, to pay for so it. So we only pay for one ticket. You need to find a drive-in, and is it really cost-effective to drive those hundreds of miles in gas to find a drive-in? One down at Capitol, still. Is that still open? Yeah, there's still one down there. Okay. Yeah, the drive-in part is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what I was so the that scene where you can see all four of them from a distance, the thing looks awesome. You know what the yeah, you were saying the thing crumb coming out of the yeah. stone thing remind <laughs> it's odd callback here reminded of the Ghostbusters coming out of the uh, the mushroom goo at the end <laughs> marshmallow goo yeah marshmallow goo yeah yeah okay <laughs> and then uh, you know they uh, Marvel released a new Age of Ultron spot for TV. But it really doesn't show anything no. much new. So I watched that and went, eh. Super Bowl spot for Terminator Genesis also does not show much new. But I, I but I did realize, I don't know why they bother leaking it. Because really there are people who are going to see the, watching the Super Bowl, see that for the first time. Yes. You know, so and why be, do they release all the Super Bowl commercials before the Super Bowl? They're testing a lot of them because some of them are not going to actually use like there was there was one um the that, GoDaddy one that there was backlash for yes. if they wouldn't have released it there would have been no backlash but there wasn't as much backlash as it would have been if they had broadcast it right. during the Super Bowl right because they can't yeah yeah that's true um i i do want to point out you can just go to think uh, on the Super Bowl commercial the the puppy bowl not the puppy bowl the the puppy that goes back to the Clydesdales. Yeah. Uh, the guy playing the owner of the puppy this year, uh, which I, I posted on my Facebook page on my Throwback Thursday last week, is uh, the guy who played Batman in the uh, short that I uh, co-produced last Batman year. Batman Loves Catwoman. Uh, Catwoman Loves Bruce. Catwoman. Uh, you know, Don Jeans. Uh, interesting, uh, you know, a very good-looking guy. Pretty good actor because I think he's funny in that short. Um, and not just because I had something to do with it, you know, but but I really thought he was funny. So, anyway, you know, there it is. We've got a connection to Fanboy Planet with the Super Bowl commercial. Woohoo! Now, if you tell your friends to read Fanboy Planet. Um, so, as a result of that connection, uh, we're going to talk a little. Uh, we want to talk toys because this is where it perfectly ties in. That, of course, thanks to the Avengers Age of Ultron and Jurassic World, we already talked about. Uh, they've announced today that Lego sets are coming for both of those, of course, of course. but also Lego video games for Avengers Excellent. and Jurassic World. And uh, I wanted to take this moment, we'll talk about these ancillary products. I got an email today from Hot Topic that is launching an exclusive line of clothing and jewelry, and I love the name of this, called Harleen. And I actually got photos of all these at Comic-Con. Are they like half black and half red? Why, yes. They're all based on Harley Quinn. So there's a whole fashion line of Harley Quinn things. And some of them were on display at Comic-Con. And I didn't know what was going to go on with it. And, and, uh, yeah, so they've officially launched that line. Harleen. Is there a fragrance? Now is going to go with uh, the Suicide can, Squad movie? Now just dress like a psychopath. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to actually be one. Because <laughs> everything else in Hot Topic <laughs> was so common. 
Actually, they've calmed down a lot. If it's you still got a lot of well, spiky stuff in there. The front of the store is calm. The back of the store. Is yeah. Still well, I don't calm. go into the back of the store, but I do my my Christmas shopping for my daughter at Hot Topic in I the did, front of the store. I did Christmas shopping for my wife at Hot Topic because they have a huge line of Disney stuff. Yeah. And princess stuff and and, and Harry Potter stuff. Yes, and, and Doctor Who stuff. Yep. And I bought my daughter supernatural socks for Christmas. Um, <laughs> So, because I couldn't take a chance on which Winchester brothers she'd want on a T-shirt, okay. so I just settled up for socks. <laughs> um, so we just kind they of didn't have a T-shirt with both of them on. It? No, no, okay. no. Um, you have to be. Team. You had to choose. You had to choose which one. Uh, I think because of the plot this year, where one of them's a demon. I don't know. Yeah, how it goes. Uh, but you, we also uh, Nate wanted to talk about very quickly, right? That we mentioned Big Trouble in Little China as a comic book, but of course he's got action figures. Yeah, Funko action figures, which are not the quality action figures that we're used to from pretty much every other company. Well, yeah. but they're called Reaction. Right. And they're trying to reproduce Kenner and Mattel from the 70s. Yeah, as if they had come out with them when they should have come out with them. It is the wrong nostalgia, though, because they were the best they could be at the time for the cheap quality that they could produce. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know that I like going back and doing historically crappy figures on purpose. <laughs> right, right, right. They were crappy because that's the best they could do. Those first 12 Star Wars figures, I would much rather that we could get a time, that 12-year-old me could have had a time machine and gone forward in time and gotten those those Kenner black label or, you know. Oh, yeah. The, those the new, Star Wars. Those new Star Wars ones that are really, I'd love to go forward. Or have and, the uh, McFarlane toys get the licensing for Star Wars toys. No, here's the problem with that one is that I know because I made a child cry at Christmas when I gave one of my nephews when he was young one of uh, my doubles on a, a Spawn figure that mm-hmm. I had gotten and he took it out of the package and immediately it broke. So the thing is, McFarland toys look great, but, but you can't fragile. play with them. Yeah. You can't, and and that was the mistake. And so I, we had tears on Christmas morning, and I'm like, no, we thought we gave him a really cool figure, and it broke immediately. You know, so you wanted You're to have somewhat person. durability. Oh, I'm over it. You know what? He's like 28 now. I thought you were going to say I'd love to go back. So to- this is very early McFarland toys. McFarland toys now are high quality. Okay, well, I mean, well, if I buy them now, I'm still not taking them out of the package, so I don't know. They're still a little brittle. They don't. They don't. Uh, I have a. I have a couple of them, and they aren't. They aren't too old. That still. If they fall off the, they fall off my bookshelf. There's a chance I'm going to be getting the super glue out. Well, I think if most things fall off a bookshelf, they just might break. Not my. That is not true. Not, not my Kenner, dead man. Not a Kenner superpower. Dead figure. man falls off every other day. And let me say, when up. in the Great Quake of '89, when I had a superpowers Superman figure. That thing flew off my TV set and was completely unharmed. It broke the wall before. It broke. That's right. Ripped yeah. my Buckaroo Banzai poster. I thought you were going to earlier going to say if I could be take a Star Wars black label slave Leia. No, back to my twelve no. year old self. Yeah. Because that didn't have the Return of the Jedi. I was already a senior in high school when it oh, came okay. out. So yeah, you wouldn't no, have been interested. No, at my twelve-year-old self had no idea. You're sixteen. Let's not ta- let's let's not talk about my development. But twelve had no idea, okay. no clue. Okay. Uh, Buck Rogers had started. Aaron Gray was slowly awakening things. There you go. Um, I don't know. I've said it, but at least you know what I t- said that to her face. She said, "I know. I should get a T-shirt made." So, you know, she's used <laughs> to it. Um, 
anyway, so yeah, there's a big tr- six figures from Big Trouble in Little China coming out in the reaction series, and they're missing key figures. They I are mentioned that. Yeah, there's well, no Wang. There's no Egg. I've heard those complaints, right? And there's no demon from the end who's in. There's no it. demon from the end. There's uh, none of the gang members. You know what makes me mad about it is that they did uh, not. I Entertainment Earth is the distributor, right? Um, yeah. So it wasn't Funko that did it before, but at Entertainment Earth's booth about eight or nine years ago, they had prototypes for really good detailed. Big Trouble in Little China figures, and mm. I don't know if they ever came out. They did. Well, I don't know if these are the same ones, but I got an Egg Shen okay, for my they, brother. They must be. And I got Jack Burton for Salazar for Christmas one year. Okay. And I'm, I kicked myself ever since because I didn't buy two of them, one for me. Yeah. Right. They didn't have great distribution. There there weren't that many made, as opposed to Reaction. Fantastic. Because, because Reaction, you can find at Barnes and, Barnes and Noble. You can find it at Walmart, for God's sake. I walked into Walmart by your apartment, actually, Nate, that Walmart, and mm-hmm. um, and they had the Rocketeer figures in a box by the by, as an impulse buy, uh-huh. um, which, by the way, I have to dig out my copy of, of Rocketeer because my son doesn't remember watching it, so now we have to watch it again. Oh, we have to. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Such a good father to make that sacrifice. Oh, I do. I just give and give. Yes. Uh, you know. So anyway, uh, you know, the, the, yeah, yeah. The fi- the figure quality isn't very good. The I mean, obviously, there's like the arms and legs are jointed at the hips and shoulders only, and the heads rotate. But the the body proportions are not good, and the just the molding is kind of like flat and not very well detailed. I, mean, I get the nostalgia because she, yeah. you know... Yeah, you, I mean, it's fine by me because the the box itself has a good picture the on box it. Is, it's almost like there. the box is more the reason to get it than the, than the figure inside of it. I mean, but I, I am disappointed in the lack of characters. Yeah. And, you know, when I look at the reaction, like, I, I still say, we said before, I want a good Rocketeer figure and the best I could get I have right now is is that yeah and it's you know I really want a good you know and we're just not getting it so uh, let's talk television shall we because there's a lot of casting going on there yep. um, they you know CBS is moving forward with the Supergirl pilot and they found their Supergirl a woman named Melissa Benoist who is from Glee she played Marley on Glee you know more than I do. yeah she was the uh, when the when the seniors started graduating, they started bringing new blood yes, into the I show. Yeah, I knew she was new blood, and I had stopped watching. And she was the one who was dating the the half brother of uh, the bad boy from the first season. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so now she is going to be Kara Zor-El. Um, and good uh, choice. She's she's perfect for that role. Is she? Yeah. She, you know, no, she has one glaring flaw. She's brunette. Brunette. Yes. Um, but that's okay. They'll dye her hair. I don't think they they might not. I think super. I see. I think you can get away with Grant Gustin as Barry Allen because most people don't have an association because he's under a red hood. Yeah. Who, who is under that cowl? Nobody really knows what Barry Allen looks like in mainstream. Right. Supergirl's too iconic. So Melissa Benoist. This is the second time they've pulled from that Glee year to cast a beer because Grant Gustin was also from mm-hmm. that year of Glee, and I think that choice is fine. But yeah. I, but I do think in a, from a licensing standpoint. You put him in that Flash costume, and that's what most people know. So, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. And the kid who's going to play him in the movie, he's going to play Barry Allen in the the, uh, Justice League film, in no way looks like what anybody's stereotypical vision of 
of uh, Barry Allen does, you know. But I do think that the blonde look, I think they'll dye her hair because they look, when Stacy, they cast a blonde actress as Mary Jane and they dyed her hair red. They cast a red-headed <laughs> actress as Gwen Stacy and, and they the dyed blonde. her hair blonde. Yeah. So I think that they will they will put Melissa Benoist in a, you know, and then iZombie, that girl, she's a brunette and they dyed and they made her hair she's platinum. She's not iconic in the it, least. <laughs> no, I know, but she, but they did at least, that's the one thing they did with the Vertigo series is they made her look like Gwen in the, and they didn't even, they're not even calling her Gwen. Um, in the in the series, she I finally the same saw a commercial for that the other evening. It looks really good. Oh, I'm sorry, they're starting to push. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I mean, the, her her going to zombie form was was okay. was nice, and you can see different phases of it too. Cool. So. But I'm going to get back to Supergirl because there is already apparently controversy online that they've cast an actor that I don't. I, I you know I, he's on was on some show about football. Um, it, it was been a lot of Friday Night Lights. He's been it wasn't Friday stuff. Night Lights. I don't I don't think it was. His name is I and I apologize in advance if I don't know how to pronounce Mechad Mechad M E H C A D Brooks is Jimmy Olsen, and um, so he is indeed an African American actor, and so apparently there has already been backlash for that. Which necessary I do- roughness, necessary roughness. You know, I I had a blank spot because I thought I've heard that the TV series didn't really have anything to do with the movie, and I just remember the movie not being particularly funny. He should, uh, he should be a fan funny. favorite. You were he, too old. He was in New Blood or True, True Blood. Blood, and he was also in a film. Looks like a short may have been made with his brother. I'm not sure if the the Brooks brothers are in this or if it's true or not. But he was in Magic: The Gathering, the musical, which right. apparently was something done with puppets. Right now. I'm in love with him. Yeah. He's in the second season of Desperate Housewives. Yeah, that was that was quite I, a while I ago. I was not allowed to watch Desperate Housewives. Um, I'll talk about that later. Uh, anyway, um, that uh, so I, I think it's an interesting choice. Uh, and but, but there is already backlash that Jimmy Olsen's not black. And I'm like, for God's sake. But but there, as you know, there can be the argument, well, you know, Supergirl isn't blonde, right? Uh, you know, isn't brunette. But I think there's a difference. Thing. I do think there's a different thing with public awareness of a, of what a character looks like. And, and yes, Jimmy has it, but it's still going to be better than the Smallville Jimmy, who was killed by Doomsday and had a younger brother also named Jimmy, Jimmy, played by the same, and not actually not played by the same actor. But it was still like, I mean, that that was torturous. Um, that this was is, awful. Yeah. So this yeah. is this is different, and the, you know this this makes sense. And actually, you know, it's funny because I realized in the Supergirl movie, Jimmy Olsen was there as well and and apparently he's going to be the love interest whereas in the comics he's with lucy lane but i'll tell you as a kid it always it made no sense to me that jimmy olsen was with lucy lane he should have been supergirl's boyfriend that's what i always thought so finally in 2015 jimmy is going to be supergirl's boyfriend. boyfriend i'm so happy with that is that going to be his new title Supergirl's it's, boyfriend, it's the Jimmy title Olsen. on his comic, yeah. Isn't it better than Superman's best pal? Wouldn't you rather yes. be Supergirl's boyfriend? Yes. <laughs> I'd rather be Power Girl's boyfriend, but that's just me. Um, okay, and the other big cast news, Our Worlds Collided, Nate's World Collided, Our World Collided. Former, former well, not former, because he always will be, 10th Doctor, David Tennant, Timeless. has joined... The Marvel Universe, because as we had earlier said, you must pick a side. Talk about your Civil War. 
are you with DC? Right, These two meta studios, right? <laughs> yes. But um, David Tennant has been cast as Kilgrave. I noticed that they're not calling him the Purple Man, but he's Kilgrave. Have we had even in the in, Jessica even in, Jones uh, series for Netflix? Even in a small role, have we had any actors who have, have appeared in a Marvel property and a DC property in film? Yes. Like who is who? Chris Evans? Chris Evans as Chris Evans was in The Losers. Okay, uh, that's, Vertigo. Yeah, that's that's one. It was a Vertigo series. Um, I'm sure that it, you've thrown. It, you know, you want me out of this house at a decent at a decent time. So I, I'm just I'm, trying to. I, I, I I'm didn't sure know. that I can pull out more. Okay, um, but for the sake. Oh no, I know exactly because I just watched the the Flashpoint Paradox. Michael B. Uh, Jones. No. Um, the guy playing Johnny Storm in the new Fantastic Four. Michael Warner. B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. How could you forget such a name? I I know. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> just like how when I had my email address and you said, "Oh, you're naming yourself after jo- after Michael Jordan." I was like, "What?" Uh, you know that. Um, no, it, it's uh, Michael B. Jordan is both uh, Johnny Storm in Fantastic Four and was the voice of Cyborg in um, the Flashpoint Paradox. Okay, so uh, I just noticed. I mean, on the, that's a twist. I realize that that's a stretch, yeah. but uh, but that but there it is. I, I'm sure that I could look up more, and we will find, and I will find those connections. I'm waiting for for when we have. I mean, I'll give you losers. Isn't that old? But really, it's it's kind of pre everyone saying we've got to have our own universes and and establishing it and having having real names in these superhero movies. Losers isn't really a superhero okay. Movie. No, I can I can do it. Ready? Okay. Oh God! And I'm going to hurt you. <laughs> Josh Brolin is Jonah Hex. Oh no! Yes, and Thanos. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, and Megan Fox is the prostitute in Jonah Hex and April O'Neil. Different universe completely. But uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, anyway, David Tennant is going to be the Purple Man, and if you know anything about that alias. Uh, because that's the comic book, which I, I guess they're being repri- they were being reprinted as AKA Jessica Jones. Right. Um, if you get a graphic novel of it, um, Kilgrave, the purple man is, is creepy as hell and super important to the development of Jessica Jones as a character. So, um, I, I love this casting because you're going to hate David Tennant at the end of that. So it's a good stretch role for him. It's a really good stretch role and he's over, do for something like that i mean on stage he's been uh i still have not seen grace point or Broadchurch. uh i have a feeling there's a dark there's a it's darker to that but i don't think that's his character that really is so much um so and he's, he was a villain in the um saint trinian sequel the secret of swithin's gold or whatever uh yeah. but uh nobody saw that in the united states and that's a comedy anyway but i really want to see it because i love the, the first saint trinian movie um it's a terribly guilty pleasure it does make me want to take it uh, we're, we're not running too long right now but i so let's do it now um little men, mental exercise cast the current set of doctors like the ones in, since the reboot in marvel properties so eccleson because it's only gonna, it's going to happen oh yeah. no eccleson's already been Oh, it's Malekith. Right. right, right, right. Okay, okay so we've Malekith. David Tennant is now Kilgrave. Right. So it's Matt Smith. Matt Smith. Matt Smith is going to be... <clears throat> <laughs> He's too old, but I'd say Power Pack. Um, 
Uh, Matt Smith is going to be the impossible man. Could be. Could be. No, if no, you get him to shave his head. You you did for a movie that he that will never come out now. Um, Sylvester McCoy, Mole Man. So you said current crop of doctors. That's oh yeah, you're right. right. But he's been he's been around lately. So I, I just no. I, yeah, I yeah. would love to see I would love to see Sylvester McCoy get something high profile again. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, you know he, I think I meant active acting. I think Sylvester McCoy should be Willie Lumpkin. Uh, no, uh, Sylvester McCoy should be, uh, you know, who's an elder statesman in the Marvel universe now? Uh, you know, the, the <laughs> Stanley, no, no, no. I mean, as far as a character yeah. and, and, and you, what you're really asking is it's not fair to say like something that Fox controls. You want something that, that Disney controls. Right, right, right. Um, so I think Sylvester McCoy, especially could, since we know that Disney and Dr. Who are kind of tied together now. I think, uh, yeah. you know, I, and that Sylvester McCoy could be, uh, something in Asgard. There must be some old character hmm. that he could, he could be very funny, but you know, there are characters. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I will go. We, we've had Eccleston. We've had we have Tennant. If we put Matt Smith in, um, he's young enough that I don't think. Here's the thing, because it's like you notice, he's not in the Terminator Genesis spots. Either one of the spots I've seen, right? Even though that was a big deal that Matt Smith was going to Terminator Genesis. So I think that Hollywood has already decided. Hollywood has, rightly or wrongly, he's not leading man material, despite constant evidence elsewise on right. the BBC. He'll, he'll have a breakthrough. They'll change their mind. Okay. So will a superhero be that or will it be a supervillain? Yeah. And that's that's a good question and I and I'm just trying to think of characters that he uh, you know, he could be. Um Yeah. I I I don't know. He's he's a little tough. Uh and 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 Peter Capaldi, unfortunately, what he should be is if Marvel got him back right now would be Reed Richards. Yes. Would be a fantastic Reed Richards. The, if the other person controlled. I was thinking uh, of as uh, out of that same stable, Paul McGann, Reed Richards. Paul McGann would be a great Reed Richards. And Paul McGann's an actor way overdue for because that guy's still, I mean, don't get me wrong here when I say this, but he's still swaggeringly sexy. Yeah. You watch that Night of the Doctor, that, that little five-minute thing where he's the doctor, I'm like, I, and I'm so mad at Stephen Moffat for like I know you have limited resources. Do six episodes of the Eighth exactly, Doctor exactly because he so could, and people would eat it up. And yeah. he's the romantic. You could get you could have both versions simultaneously. Why not? Yeah, you know you know why not because it's a British show. If this was if the, if if Amer- an American company controlled it, there would be <laughs> we can pump more money out of this. Yes, yeah. Yeah. you would have like the Agents of Shield. Agent Carter situation. You exactly. Would have, you would have the twelfth Doctor and the eighth Doctor. Right. But before I get to Agent Carter, do you want to say that we talked? We brought up last week Justice League: Throne of Atlantis, the animated film, and I said, "Does that come out yet?" Well, it came out Tuesday, and Monday night, my magic mailbox delivered it to me. So I did watch it on. Uh, I did watch it Monday night. Uh, I didn't get a chance to write it up, but I knew we would talk about it tonight. And I would say it is as strong as we could have hoped. As strong as Son of Batman was for the Batman mythos. Yeah. A R- Throne of Atlantis is as strong for Aquaman as they're on the eve of making a live-action Aquaman film. Um, you know. So what's the plot line? It is the. It is essentially... The 52 reboot of him? Kind of. Kind, it's It's different. It's loosely based on... Uh, what sort of like the information that they unveiled in the new 52 reboot of Aquaman, mm-hmm. but done in a different way. He's Arthur Curry. He doesn't know that he's Aquaman. 
Uh, he's mourning the death of his father. I mean, a fantastic first act of setting up all the members of the Justice League, who are the powers, what the situation, who's not, and the Justice League really isn't the Justice League yet. Batman hasn't agreed to join, and they're sort of like, you know, everybody has their moment. Superman and Wonder Woman are tentatively dating, you know, clear that they have this attraction in a much better way than I thought war kind of oversold it without uh-huh. being able to tell it. Right. And this is, no, I, I kind of bought this relationship, and yet also there's an awkwardness when Lois Lane appears, you know, and so it was like, okay, good, I want to see that. You've got Batman and Nathan Fillion as Greenland. Oh, for God's sake, there were DC screwed up. <laughs> Why was Nathan Fillion not Hal Jordan in a live-action film? Right. Because he so should be. Yeah. And uh, so there he is. You know, Nathan Green Lantern, which of course is great because, of course, Green Lantern is the last person that Batman wants to deal with. So you get to see all that while Arthur Curry is this young man knowing that he has abilities, kind of hiding it from everybody, mourning the death of his father in a small seaside town. And not even believing himself that he knows, like he he had an encounter with his mother when she was when he was young, underwater, and he thinks he dreamed it essentially. But yeah. here he's got these powers, you know. And um, so it does a, a great setup. And then meanwhile, um, Black Manta and Ocean Master, or they never call him Ocean Master, but he wears the costume Orm, are you know scheming underground, uh, underwater to start this war on the surface world. And uh, so that was kind of in that first arc, but Aquaman knew he was Aquaman. You know, he was already established. So this is instead how Arthur Curry becomes Aquaman and how he is then becomes crucial to the formation of the Justice League. And Cyborg is even sort of believable. You know, I I didn't necessarily like the New 52 reboot of him, but here it borrows a lot more from from the Teen Titans version of him with Sarah. With the, the the doctor that was helping him and and you mm-hmm. know and and even Shazam was kind of interesting, uh, you know. So great voice work, really well done. I'm still not super keen on some of the character design because of the, just that appearance. As we said, it's kind of anime, a little of the little serious anime, anime. anime. But um, but it was really good, and uh, but I, I really enjoyed watching it. And then there's a a, a preview of uh, of Batman versus Robin. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's going to be so – it looks so good with the Court of Owls and everything. And then they have a 45-second outtake from this that introduces Talon. So it, just to talk – the thought that goes into into, uh, into the animation. So this 45-second sequence from Throne of Atlantis that they cut. And then James Tucker went back and said, can I animate it? Because we don't really have a short, but you want an extra. Can I animate it? And then they actually show it three times, twice with two different commentaries by James Tucker. So it's a, so it's a long enough extra that you'll watch. And he's like, he watches it once and explains something. And then he watches it, explains it from a different angle, and then they just show it. And what it, and you really see, and, and people might not appreciate the thought that goes in the animation into the fight choreography. It's Nightwing and Damien taking on the Scarecrow and his men, and Michael Rosenbaum, who was uh, Lex Luthor on Smallville and the Flash in the Justice League Unlimited series, is uh, the Scarecrow. Nightwing and Damien don't talk. It's all about their fighting style and how you can act actually see the difference in the way the two fight mm-hmm. and the way they want to and then Talon is watching them and so it was like it was meant to be this tie in to Batman versus Robin because now that is two a year will be uh will be part of this kind of animated continuity there'll be a, a Batman one and then the the one they just did the assault on uh assault on Arkham, Arkham was actually yeah. set in the Arkham Asylum video game universe, so that's not meant to tie that's in, not tied in, and that's okay. why they could use Kevin 
Conroy, Kevin Conroy as Batman again, you know, uh, which he's, you know, uh, which he has dropped from, but they'll bring him in for things like that where he is meant to be, you know. So it's funny because you mentioned the the fighting style, and I, I last night I, we were talking again earlier. I watched uh, Batman and Son, yes. uh, the first twenty thirty minutes of it, and Damien's fighting style is established right off the bat. Oh and, yeah, and, and and because the first part of that is a big battle, ninja um, battle, and Deathstroke's there and. Um, the Deathstroke, Damien Deathstroke stuff is really good too. Oh yeah. Um, so you, you, you well, and the point James Tucker makes is he's trained from birth mm-hmm. to kill, and then he's fighting that instinct, right? And you can see that of like it, you even see the body language of he's having to pull his punches, and it's not something he likes doing, right? And you know that it, it's too much thought for him. And meanwhile, Dick Grayson's bouncing around the most graceful in the, you know. We was my son and I were watching Teen Titans Go. And uh, they actually revealed that the, that the Robin on that, who I've always assumed was Tim Drake. They, yes. they, had a, they had a trading card of him that flashed up on the screen. And it was Dick Grayson. And it's like, no. It's, it's so clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. Because I think Nightwing's been on the show, you know. They're not, they're not terribly... Obsessed with continuity. No, they're not. Teen <laughs> Titans go. No. Especially when they go super uh, deformed and they're, yes. they get angry yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, did you catch up, guys, on Agent Carter and The Flash this week, the two very good comic book television series? Nate? No. Oh. I'm two episodes behind on each because of work. I'm glad you blamed work. And I got thing. caught up on I'm, – I'm caught up on everything. So I'm, I'm behind on Gotham. But I find that you know I, it's not hurting me. Uh, Gotham's kind of fun to binge watch too, so I think it, I'm fine with that. You yeah. know, uh, but, they're all hurting me. Well, because you're not watching them. Agent Carter is is very, Agent Carter hurts. Flash what? hurts. Gotham hurts. Even Constantine hurts. Why do they hurt? I'm behind on Constantine. Why? Why? Because I'm behind. Oh, oh it okay. hurts. Good. Not not when you watch them. It's hurt because you're no, not able to watch all. them. Good, good, good. I thought Agent Carter this week was the best episode so far. I really enjoyed it, and then I saw people online talking about how they didn't like it, and I was like, yeah. "Well, no, it's what TV Tell can do. Stupid. What TV can do is fill in those things that a, a good comic book would. You can have the the X Men softball game as a metaphor there for it. We got we got a new faked out villain who gets dispatched. No, sh- don't who, he hasn't watched it yet? Okay, well, no, just say anything is a spoiler. Yeah. This, and, and the same thing was with the Flash, you but get, but there are so many. There are nice, some very nice twists that you don't see coming until they're right in your face, right? And that one, that one really stunned me. Yeah. Um. And uh, the the, the Flash, and some cool gadgets that the Flash last week with the building of the Rogues Gallery, and then building another one this week with yep. Pied Piper, and yep. I was kind of going, you know. And there's another one talking about about your version of how you first encountered the Pied Piper. I knew the Pied Piper existed. But the Pied Piper I first encountered was the reformed one that Mark Wade had with with Wally, uh-huh. you know, and so you know that a lot of the rogues lost their impetus once Barry was dead, you know. So it's interesting to me. There's still a lot of CW to the Flash. I finally can oh, yeah. go back to what Chris Tung said to me is like, oh, it's the Flash, and then you keep getting your CW all over it, <laughs> and like he <laughs> said, that, told me about that about Arrow, and I and I think that is true because there's a thing. That they do with the Pied Piper, where it's like you're only 
making these choices because that's what a CW show would do, not because that actually makes any damned logical sense, yeah. sense whatsoever. It's it's what the it's what the um the preteen and teen girl demographic wants. And if you you're to going do. to have special cells for the metahumans, why are there no toilets? <laughs> they don't poop. They are not Kim Jong Un. Okay, uh, so uh, definitely, definitely enjoying uh, enjoying the Flash. Then we won't we won't go too much there. I do want to mention Nate, get caught up. Yeah, yeah so we can talk. Um, yeah. That uh, that there's a there's a, a, a horror musical anthology series coming to Fox. I didn't realize it was a musical until today. Uh, to take because it's going to fill the gap. The vacuum left by Glee, because this will be the end of Glee this season. So several Glee people are co- are going in, but most uh, most obviously Leah Michelle. Um, uh, it's called Scream Queens, and it's going by the same because the creator of Glee is the same creator as, of American Horror Story. Okay. So now he's combining the two mm. into Scream Queens for Fox, and they just got their male lead, who is Nick Jonas. Oh my. No, he's a talented Jonas brother. Okay. <coughs> he's but not the handsome Jonas brother, but he is the talented one. He's been the one who's been on Broadway uh, since he was a child. And it was in Les Mis and has been and, and has done some credible, uh, some really credible turns there as an actor. Um, and so uh, Leah Michelle, Kiki Palmer, Ariana Grande, and they're all from there. But the things to get you interested is that you know, it's about a small town where there's a serial killer. And the consequences there. <laughs> so it's a musical. And if you're watching American Horror Story, they actually make that work. The musical numbers on, on American Horror Story fit and are cooler than you would think. I really have to watch that show. You really have to watch for at least Freak Show. Um, but anyway, you have Abigail Breslin, uh, Joe Manginello, who was the werewolf on True Blood, um, and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Emma Roberts are in the cast as well. So when you got the original screen, Scream Queen, Jamie Lee Curtis... It's like you have the the yeah. the, the, the approval of, of horror royalty, so uh, it will be an anthology again, like American Horror Story. Every season will be a different story, but uh, this one will be a college campus in which a series of murders takes place. And so, um, kind of intrigued by this show. So there we go. I, I remember what I wanted down. I, I hinted at this before the show, but. There is a, an unsung controversy in Arrow right now, and this is no spoilers, but John Barrowman, we know, is all, is, a, is a character in it. Yes. And then you've got the Yafe uh, is another, is one of uh, Ghoul's, uh, mm-hmm. uh henchmen who's yeah. actually double, two-sided. Yafe says Ghoul. John Barrowman says Raz Agul. Interesting. And nobody, I, I, I'm surprised they let that go through that way. I mean, they're both supposed to be intimate with with the operation with the of League of the Assassins, League of Assassins yeah. and everything. But why Roz for Barrowman? Here's my here would be my justification, but this is if Warner TV gave you a no prize, uh, is that Americans tend to mangle a pronunciation and stick with it. Hmm. Uh, you know, because it, and it is, you know, so I mean, that, that is was very so good American. in the in the movie. I mean, in, yeah, in, but I think, uh, but I, I think that's what I want to say is that that's a very, if Barrowman's, you know, Barrowman's playing an, an American, um, you know, well, which technically 
he actually is. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I could see that, but but they're clearly not offering up that explanation. No. Uh, that's my that's my way out. The reality is they didn't pay attention. See, I didn't have any other episodes still banked in the DVR to go back and see if he had said the name in a previous yeah. episode. Because uh, I don't know. Yeah, but, but that does remind me that you know they said that uh, actually now the Atom is going to go over to the Flash. There's going to be a crossover with that's the Flash already and the happening. Atom. Yeah. Well, but it hasn't it hasn't really happened on the Flash yet. Uh, Arrow and uh, right, right, yeah, it's happening yeah. in Arrow, but yeah, yeah. Um, so that's coming. The Bug-eyed Bandit apparently is in development for uh, the Flash as well. Uh, so, uh, which I love, you, you know, I mean, we talked about, I got to say it again, just the development of the, of the rogues gallery and the fact that last week they, in the, t- in the sting at the end, added a rogue without even identifying who that rogue was. Right. But I, I want, I don't want to say, I don't want to spoil it for, for Nate. Didn't they say? No, no. They identified an aspect of that rogue. But they didn't. Okay. But you know, they went through. It is just, I, I do have a question this week, which is: Do you think that Cisco Ramon, if the, are they going to carry through, and make him vibe? Yes, I hope so, because I think that actor is fun. I think, and the might. way they've set him up with the code names is that he's just dying to give himself <laughs> one. I, I think if they do, I don't think it's going to be the full-on vibe that we we remember from the, he's not going to fly around on a on a He doesn't now. The the new 52 version of him doesn't fly. No. Okay, I haven't kept up with him since No, uh, because that was a book designed to fail. Okay. It was stupid. They're like, "Why isn't it selling well when it's like, you know, the hero you think sucks?" is how they kept putting it. And it's like, "Well, yeah, I mean, it's like Brother Power the Geek." It's fun to visit Brother Power the Geek every 10 years, yeah. but he's so notoriously bad that, of course, you're not going to sustain a series with right, him. Right, right, right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, vibe kind of died out. for the, they, they marketed it all wrong, they, and they approached it all wrong. It's like It was like uh, Kyle Rayner as, as Green Lantern, like, you know, the loser who has no faith in himself for five years. Why isn't Kyle as po- popular as Hal Jordan? It's like because he reflects too much how we actually feel about ourselves instead of yeah. how we want to feel. Yeah, so I, I suspect that he'll do something and he'll call himself five. Yeah, I, yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. So anyway, well, whatever you guys think, please write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com and give us feedback. Or you can find us on our Facebook page. Or you can tweet us at fanboyplanet. Isn't that convenient? All right. Well, uh, that wraps up this week. And uh, One more TV item. Oh, you've got one more TV item? Go ahead. Why do you always wait until I'm actually in the wrap-up? I don't know. Damn it. You need to just stop it's and say, Nady, you got anything left? I know. <laughs> got to just have a blank You idea. need to watch TMZ and see how that guy handles his crew. Uh, He's in the room night. and he pays them and says, shut up. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Which is Friday the 30th, so I don't know if this will be up yet. Also replaying Saturday, uh, excuse me, tomorrow's the 29th. Replaying Saturday the 30th, replaying Sunday. No, tomorrow is the 30th. Today the 29th? Good Lord. Yeah. Okay, fine. Because it's a perfect February where every every number lines up. I'm like the calendar man. Oh. All right, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Friday at 10 p.m. Saturday 11 p.m. Sunday 8 a.m. Key and Peele Super Bowl special. Yay! 
going to be hilarious. They've posted a few videos of a couple bits. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch them yet. Oh, They're your hilarious. favorite things about Key and Peele are in these couple videos. That they're funny? That's my favorite thing about them. Exactly. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, man. Looking forward to that. All right. And I had nothing to do with it, but I did hear them talking about it in a meeting. <laughs> okay. Well, excellent. Anyway. That... I, I will note that if you go to Wikipedia and you look up Vibe, under superpowers, they still do list breakdancing skills. Well, because <laughs> sadly, that's what we remember most about them. Uh, yeah. All right. Anyway, you can write into editorfanboyplanet.com. Uh, of course, we've talked about it. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on the website. You can go to the Amazon links, and you can go and donate money to PayPal if you'd like to keep us alive. Thank you very much. Until the next time we talk and beyond, I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. I'm Nate Costa. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers only for good. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. The power of brains compels you. Okay, I think we got this down. (laughs) (laughs) Fanboy. I'm Nate Costa. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers only for good. good. Ah, ah, ah. What, what was that from? He's the Count. Oh, that's right. Count Brown. No. <laughs> uh.